Oh, my God. 
minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Tuesday. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program, and I know that we uh, made a big deal last time I was on the air about uh, the Amazon gift for uh, Aaron Katzman. I did not expect his wife, Yael, to come storming into our studio right after the start of the show asking where the gift is. That I didn't expect. She's right to your right, but by accident, meaning she's here for completely. I know she. I know she's here, but she didn't say a word to defend her. I know. I just defended her. I said she's here for a totally different reason. I just thought it was hilarious to start the show like that. That's all. Her husband is probably the most dedicated listener you have outside of uh, family. So, <laughs> yeah, I wish family was the yeah, exactly. I was going to say so. That. What's the decision? Do we know if he's a man that is is, you know, is very into gifts? Do we know if he's very understated and doesn't prepare? It doesn't expect gifts. Like, what what is it? What are we spending on him? Is this going to be a five dollar Amazon gift for Aaron Katzman? Is it going to be a five hundred and five dollar Amazon gift? What is it? You got what direction are we heading in on this decision that we're now carrying over from Friday all the way until Tuesday? Uh, Not Friday, Thursday all the way until Tuesday. It's a very very good question. Oh, so we don't have an answer to. We don't even have an answer. I think that uh, he's the kind of person that just has everything. He's the kind of person that doesn't want a gift at all. <laughs> and whether that's true or and not, that's we, fine for us. Whether it's true or not, we just established that, and we're making that public policy. <laughs> Aaron, just kidding, of course. We uh, look forward to bringing you your gift or having the UPS driver how about finding a, your How house. about a, like a calendar? He's probably a calendar guy. Is he a calendar? I'm not even looking at Yale. And it? now it's the beginning of 2024 coming up. There maybe like go. one of those specialty cal- like trivia calendars? Oh, my gosh, trivia calendar. Yeah, he must maybe, love he, trivia. He might be a I have no idea. But he's, is he in fine? If he's in finance, then maybe he's like a money business type calendar, you know, with fun facts about about Aaron currency. Ka- you know, Aaron Katzman is the biggest finance guy in Israel. Biggest? Biggest. Number one. Number one. He's got a podcast. Mamish. Yeah, he's the wow. man. Well, I thank Okay, you can go now, Yale. We'll talk well, about well, it. Well, I, I, I thank him for whatever, he, whatever he's donating after we give him the gift. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, yeah, I was leaving. Now she's leaving. <laughs> Well, here we are. If you haven't picked it up yet, we're at Nefesh Benefesh headquarters in uh, Jerusalem, Israel. Or You've as, had a busy uh, or weekend. As, or as Google would say, Jerusalem District, Israel. Jerusalem District? That's what it says? I don't know if it's Google or weather.com. One of them always pops up, Jerusalem District. I don't know why. It's probably a politically correct way of putting it. And here we are. It's a Tuesday. It's the final day of, uh, the final Tuesday, rather, of 2023. Wow. The final Tuesday of 2023. Is that true? Let me see. I yeah. remember those days when Maybe we figured out when we were kids how old we're going to be in the year 2000. <laughs> Gosh. Wow. Well, you know what they say, better than the alternative. That's right. Not being able to figure it out. <laughs> That's a bad alternative. <laughs> anyway, so I'm here, and uh, Yigal Siegel is here, and it's the final week of the year, which means uh, we are very, very thankful, even more thankful to those who remember us, because after all, hey, a lot of people are in vacation mode. They're not thinking of us, right? Between the 25th of December and New Year's, why would they be thinking of us? 
They're traveling the world. They're enjoying their family, fun, and friends. They're often not even tuned in to the NSN network. That's how disconnected some people are during the final week of the year. So those who have, in fact, made sure to support our cause to keep NSN going, we say thank you. We say thank you very, very much. We say thank you to all the dedicated listeners and all the wonderful donors, whether they live in Jerusalem or anywhere else on this planet, even if they live in Jerusalem District, according to weather.com. No matter where they might be, we are very thankful to them. If you haven't given yet, (laughs) there's a website, fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org. You go to that site, and you donate. And That's right. R- and right now, until the end of the calendar year, when you donate, every dollar you give is really counted as $2 because of our generous matchers. So when Egal Siegel the other day, I saw your name. I know you told me afterwards it wasn't really you because you were, you were input- right, inputting money. Right, I was just putting it in for right. somebody else, right? right? When I saw your name, and I said, whoa, that's quite a donation. I said, oh, hang on, Malcolm Siegel. He actually gave half of that because, <laughs> because the other half was a match. Woo. And he actually gave none of that. <laughs> and he actually gave none of it because he was putting it in for somebody else. But I'm glad that you had good thoughts of me for, oh, are you for three me? seconds. I was like, wow, this guy's generous. Where did he grow up? Amazing. <laughs> his, his roommate, when he was younger, must have had quite an influence on him. My gosh. His roommate, when he was younger, couldn't turn off the couldn't turn off his radio at night. Oh my gosh! Why did you actually want it off? Like, was no, it but I was. I think we we were basically listening to the same things. You also had a radio. Remember my f- telephone radio? Yeah, I remember that. And you had a green radio, right? I remember that also. Those were the days we had to switch the batteries every every day because we fall asleep. My with radio it. was much more compact than yours, right? Mine was complicated. I was always into the simple. I was always into the, you know, like like the app. Like you have your phone, you just press a button, and then the show plays. You know, like nothing too crazy. Yeah, in the 70s, the apps were just, uh, for some reason, not available. They were much larger in the 70s, for some reason. I'm not <laughs> yeah. sure why. The computers were like, you know. Uh, so, again, the thank you to everybody, fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org. So, let me tell you, should I start backwards or should I go forwards? How should I do what we've done over the last few days? Hmm, let me think about this for a moment. I wanted to ask you a question, seriously. I mean, it, it was a, a tough weekend um, in terms of our losses in, uh, in, in Aza. And, you know, as, as a person who's here, you know, all the time, the, the tension and, and whereby Fast once, uh, you know, described on the air about how we check the news every morning and with, you know, bated breath do we know, and even if we don't know who they are, but we can imagine that the pain and suffering that the families are going through, it's just, and as the war continues and goes on, especially when we have days like we had over the weekend, it's just, it's very, very difficult for us. I was wondering from your perspective as a person who's been here, obviously you've been here before, uh, this is the third time you're here since the war started, but now that you're here a little longer than just 48 hours, how, you're, how you are feeling from your perspective this... Uh well, part of what I'm going to say is, is something that we've said already, but I think it's, it's so important to keep in mind if we're in the diaspora. And you just alluded to it. Um, as connected as we feel when we're in the diaspora to Israel, when you are, <laughs> when you are simply going through your day-to-day, unless, unless, as one of my nieces said to me this morning, one of our nieces, I should say, <laughs> unless you are not watching any news, 
In other words, if you really, really can shut yourself off uh-huh. and not listen to anything, then I think you can you could be stress and anxiety free, assuming nothing's affecting your family directly. That's what I think, and that's basically what she said. She said she's going ahead and not listening to anything. She really on a daily basis. That's she what never- she claims. That's what she claims. I haven't had I didn't have the opportunity to. Good for her. I know <laughs> she exactly. can. I mean, however, I right. will say the following. If you're paying attention to television like I am, Channel 11, Channel 12, Channel 13, if you're Mm -hmm. paying attention to those channels, those are the ones I get in the hotel. If you're paying attention to those channels during, you know, I come back from school, I turn it on late at night, I want to see what's going on. In the middle of the day, they have a lot of talk programs here on TV in the middle of the day. (laughs) It's crazy. If you want to see what's happening, you know, you turn it on. And it is all hostages all the time. Right. Except when it's all fallen soldiers all the time. So they'll do interviews with families of hostages and have reports from Hostage Square, and they'll have, you know, the, the stories about hostages who've been released and stories about hostages who have not been released and bodies of hostages have been found. And when they're not doing that, you know what they're doing? They're doing eulogies for fallen soldiers and live from Har Herzl and live from community cemeteries. And let's listen to the mother speak, and let's listen to the girlfriend. The, the one who just uh, who, who, who was one of the fallen over the weekend that you spoke about mm-hmm. had just gotten engaged. He had literally just gotten engaged, and yeah, she, yeah. the Kala, the bride, the, the fiancé, spoke at the funeral. Oh, gosh. It's crazy. It's crazy. And, of course, the strength and the fortitude and the incredible spirit is amazing to watch and to listen. But, I mean, you know, it, it, if you think it doesn't affect you and grow on you in a in a in a depressing way trust me it does so that's what our brothers and sisters have been going through now for 80 days today day 80 what's today 79 mm-hmm. i think today's 79 i think it's 79 this is what everyone's been going through all these days of the war and as you said once the operation began in gaza and and the numbers start to increase it's just you know you're you're suffering the entire time there was a report by the way on channel 13 this morning i think it was 13 maybe it was 12 there was a report that 50% of the fallen soldiers are from the Dati Lumi community. Wow. Now, that was the report. And I asked this question to somebody in the know, and they said they think it's 30%. All right. We're talking, about, we're talking about very significant numbers. Yesterday, there was a map published. I don't know if you saw this. Yesterday, there was a map published of every city in Israel that's had a fallen soldier. I mean, I'm laughing, but the entire country was covered. Yeah. You know, it wasn't the Negev. You know, had, there was an empty space, you know, the Negev before you get the lot. It's terrible. The whole thing is terrible. And, and of course, you know, Tzvi Kelly, who many of you may have heard of, anybody, anybody in America that has seen me over the last two months knows that I have been trying like crazy to get an interview with him, and it finally happened last night. We're going to hear that interview in about a half hour. So... I go to speak to him last night, and he's like, uh, you know, now I forgot what point I wanted to make, but, but I mentioned About that. The, the entire country. Right, the entire country, the Negev I mentioned. Anyway, I, I don't remember exactly the point, but he did speak to us about the, uh, the fallen soldiers and the sacrifice that has to be made. And he says, you know, it's terrible. Of course it's awful. The whole thing is, is, is crazy, but unfortunately there's no alternative. This is, the, this is the only way to guarantee, literally, you know, through an existential eye, an eye of ex- existentialism, it's the only way to, to guarantee the future of the Jewish people. So it's very, 
it, it's it's tough. It's very tough. And the hotel, and a big shout out to the Inbal Hotel, they have been nice to us for decades, and I mean that seriously. But this time, they right. have gone all out. Oh, it's great. Oh, my gosh. You cannot imagine how cooperative they've been with us. And just, I mean, even the Pollard interview was done in a great space. Yeah. It was their yeah, idea. That was unbelievable, yeah. So, you know, just that. But they, And, of course, I joke with Ronnie, the general manager, that whenever Stacey Siegel shows up, they, they wrap up their – they're always good. <laughs> but, boy, when she's in town, all of a sudden – Very like, wise they, move they goes, by Ronnie. All of a sudden, it goes through the roof. So – They've been amazing. And not that they mistreat you when no, she's not no, here. No, that's, but That's my point. I know that for a fact, that they uh, treat you very well. But that's so the hotel is full with volunteers. We're talking about six, seven missions that are in the hotel right now. Forget about the packed Shabbos that we had, which was amazing. Right, yeah. But they had six, seven missions. They're here. B'nai Akiva, One Israel, the Sephardic community, Mag and David. Wow. Um, uh, Upper West Side, Ray Robinson. And, oh. that's, and that's not even last week's tours. Last week's were also over by Axelrod was here. Right, we saw him. You know, I mean, there were a lot of Halb. Halb was here. Halb is now still here. Halb is oh, here Halb's this week. Here. Yes, Halb's here this week. Shout out Richie Hagler. And Hollander. Hollander's not here, but Richie, Hollander's Richie not here. Hagler's here. <laughs> um, I saw Ari Schreier's here, you know. So, and they're all, and by the way, call out Kavod, because everybody's doing two things. Number one, they're spending a lot of money, which is great. Great. Thank you. Someone made the point that, you know, even if you're doing activities, you're, you're, Helping the economy just by supporting the people that are doing the the hundred percent. If you even if you come just, to, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but even if you come just to the do vacation. regular tourist stuff right. like within your shalai, wherever you want, that you helps. are doing a tremendous thing for the Israeli economy. Yeah. You don't understand how empty things have been since the war started. Yeah. Now, so Baruch if you want to go ATVing up. with your family, that money is appreciated by whoever's in charge of the ATV. But on top of that, you know how many of them are doing. Are doing um, volunteer volunteer stuff. work like picking fruits and vegetables, which is extremely important. Correct, extremely. We heard from our um, our friend uh, Tzion Leshem and Naveh originally when you spoke to them on the air, right? About how important it is that you multiply that by literally hundreds of farms and and orchards, and 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 it's amazing. I mean, like you know. Svibarowski, the great driver that you uh, know so well, he just told me about a, an opportunity to pick strawberries right, right. near, right near uh, Natanya. I mean, there's just so many opportunities. And if you come and you want to, you know, if you don't mind traveling a little out of your comfort zone, which is Jerusalem, <laughs> <laughs> because someone was at my house last night and said, oh, he really wants to volunteer, but he doesn't want to leave Yerushalayim. I said, hmm, <laughs> I'm not sure exactly how many uh, orchards there are go, in Yerushalayim. tie census. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, no, there's, there's things to do in Yerushalayim, but whatever. I'm, I'm just saying that, you know, if you're willing to go out, um, and, and to do this stuff, there's so much that needs to be done. I, I can't begin to tell you. So, um, so that's great. Thank you to all those who, have, who are coming and who will come. We yeah. really appreciate so it. So I want to say the following. First of all, um, and some people know this, and we could discuss it a little later on, but Sunday I was, Sunday I was in Barrie, yeah. and we were with a large group of people. And an Israeli soldier who's there, you know, who... who we, in other words, we, we walk to a house. Mm-hmm. We're standing in front of the house, and an Israeli soldier says, Nahum. Now, oh I want to tell you something. Oh, my gosh. It's one thing <laughs> yeah. when you're in a group and someone pops up and says, Oh, Nahum Siegel. You know, that, that, you know, Hosk, Hosk. Right, exactly. <laughs> but like happened to me last night, by the way. Oh, Hosk? Channel 13. Or, oh, really? The guy says, the guy says I'm, in Hebrew, he says, I'm following you for 40 years, but sometimes I hear the Hosk music. You right, know, right, right. Old, Hosk. Anyway, so. Um, there's one thing when you're recognized, you know, as part of a group, and you're like, you know, half embarrassed and half proud. Right. 
But when an Israeli soldier <laughs> calls you out of the groove, like, well, oh, 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 who, uh, yes, Mr. Israeli soldier, who are you that I know you? Who was it? Yeah. Sion Leshev. Oh, it's Sion. He, he was in uniform? He was in uniform in Barry. What was he doing there? He was giving people who were visiting Navet, where he now is part of the military security. Oh, that's how he got back there. He was giving them a, well, 70% of the community's back. Oh, good, Baruch Hashem. He, he was giving them a tour, and of course, if you're in that area, how can you not go to Barry if you're able to get in? He can get in. <laughs> That's great. So it's just so funny. Gave him a big hug. We were talking about everything. It was just, uh, I forgot, I can't I forgot to tell you. I really hope that we do a show from Neve. I mean, yeah. eventually, whenever, whenever is good. You know, I know this, this trip didn't work out, but uh, you know, we should plan it for next trip. <sighs> I, I, I actually looked at the calendar about a next trip, and I just... I got so exhausted. I, I got to get the strength back. <laughs> All right, I, we'll I, talk need, about I need a burst of energy. No, because I can't avoid it. God forbid. I don't want to. No, I mean. Uh, but I want. I need some energy. Oh, we also need to know what to order and when. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Wait a second. So for Aaron Katzman. For Aaron Katzman. <laughs> so Zion so is there, and, and again, I forgot what I was about to tell you. No, you were in Barry. We're in Barry, and he was there. And, oh, so I don't know if it was him. I think it was somebody else. Um, during the um, during the tour, they want to have, and it's fun, no, because you just said they want to broadcast from 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 that from Nevada, yeah. They want to figure out a way to have a major, major Shmini thon, right? A Simchaton in Barry. Oh my god! Next year. Oh my goodness! They want thousands of people coming. I don't know where. I've not. Was idea. that the idea of the person who, one of the people who joined you on the trip? I'm not sure if I should say names or not, but he's a, a Jewish music personality from Israel. I don't think it was him. It wasn't his idea? It may, you know, it may have been. It may, I just don't remember who said it to me. And by the way, it may have been a dream. Like in other words, it wasn't like someone's like, "Oh, we're trying to do it." It may have been a dream. Like I would. That's love. an unbelievable thing. First of all, the shul's beautiful. It's tiny, but it's beautiful. And if there are enough places for people to stay, it would be incredible. The shul was not. Uh, was that affected? They can't figure it out. The, um, the enemy never walked into the shul. They never walked. And across the street from the shul, or right near it, is the kindergarten, which was destroyed. Wow. And they can't figure out why the enemy never walked into the shul. Even as a, as a room to, you know, to take a military outpost against the army, you know, against the Israeli army. Any, like, like they were doing on the roofs, and like they were doing on the second floors of buildings. You know, they were taking positions. Like even that, just they never walked in there. And I was in there. I saw they never walked in there. You know what it's like to walk through a town where every other house is, you know, burnt. Mm-hmm. And I mean that, you know, not burnt to the ground, but well, some were, but you know what I mean? Like, you know, shell of a home or everything destroyed. And, and then you walk, and then you, you turn around and there's a beautiful shul. That's, I mean, it's small by our standards. How many houses approximately are in Bayer? I don't remember what they told us. Uh-huh. It would be a total guess. I don't remember. I, I could look it up. But, but uh, um, the the anyway, look, someone got angry at me on the air. I don't know why they got so upset about it when I mentioned about you know the eventual rebuilding of the area mm-hmm. and that you know and that tomorrow will likely be in some part of Gaza. I'm not saying the Israeli army is going to take over everything, but you have to assume that there'll be a portion we'll have some sort that will of have a Jewish presence. You have to assume. I mean, just I mean, even a military presence. Yeah, I would I would agree with that yeah, statement 100%. And we, it was interesting because um, two things struck me in Barry. They said to us, "Do you see that? Do you see that when you look now at the area where the where the enemy infiltrated into Barry, we were right there at the fence mm-hmm. where they infiltrated into Barry. 
um, you see that you can't see past, like it's a mound of dirt that continues for half a mile and you can't see past it. Until this episode, you were able to see right into Gaza. But now they created this natural right. barrier to keep people out and now they're putting the fence on the other side of that barrier. A friend of our son was one of the people who built that barrier. Really? <laughs> yeah. No, it was the engineering corps, I think. So, yeah, that. of course, the Army Corps of Engineers. So it's like a, it, 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 there's so many things to consider and to see in every little aspect. And, and honestly, just... So who got upset at you? No, there was somebody on the air weeks ago who got upset that I started talking about rebuilding. They're like, now it's time for war, not to start thinking about... Oh, okay. And I'm okay. like, you know, I don't know. I remember, I remember Ketzela getting on the air the day of the disengagement saying we're going to be back there ASAP. Like, you know, I don't know if it's so unreasonable to talk about rebuilding even in the throes of this terrible tragedy. Look, I mean, isn't the, that what the Jewish people are all about, right? In the eyes of history, it might be ASAP. Yeah. Meaning 100 years from now, you know? Yeah. How, how long is 20 years? 100%. Anyway, so we saw that. And then, look, you're, you're driving along the road and you're seeing the smoke in Gaza. And, you know, we walked at this day road an area that I'm pretty familiar with. We've done a lot of shows from Stay Road. I mean, the, the, the That's community, right. That's community right. is very familiar to me. And we're at the high point of Stay Road where all the... Um, anybody who watches Trey Yinks on Fox, <laughs> that's where he's always perched, you know, in the highest spot in Stay Road because you can see right into the Gaza. Uh, uh, so if you want to do a report with actually, without actually being in Gaza, you're doing the report from there. So we went there to that, you know, press hill, so to speak. That's where I did that video with uh, Alex Katz, if you saw it posted. And... Um, and you see just, you know, uh, you know the, the, the geography, how they're right there. They're literally right there. And it's, it, it's so unfathomable, unfathomable how the enemy was able to infiltrate from so many kilometers away to so many communities, so many areas. Once the electric fence was down, they took a bulldozer and went to a random street and buried. They didn't have to go to the entrance or this gate or that gate. They took a bulldozer, went right through the gate, and they started killing people. And, that, and that's why I said to you that the real difference of going now, because I was not planning on going, the, the opportunity to go, and I have to give a big shout-out to Terry Calker uh, because she was the listener who arranged the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've, and I, ha- I really have to give a shout-out to a bunch of people. But the, the impetus to go was because it fell in my lap, and I felt like if I have this opportunity on a Sunday when I'm not broadcasting, right. you know, yeah. and Stacy hadn't been here yet, I said, this is really the time I should go. So... Um, I wasn't planning on going. Oh, Yussi, Yussi Sawson, thank you, Yussi. And Alex Katz, thank you, Alex. And Terry Calker, thank you, Terry. But one of the benefits of going is that you see it in 3D. You're not seeing these isolated photos. You're not seeing these videos of you know, walking into a house. You see it in the context of a neighborhood, in the context of the most beautiful. You know, we always talk about how the towns in Gush Katif were beautiful. You should see how gorgeous Barry is. Just, it's absolutely, it's like heavenly, this place. Uh, yeah. And you see it, and you see the corner where they murdered six people who couldn't get into their vans. They just killed them on the spot. And, of course, the houses where all these terrible disasters happen, and you're standing in these safe rooms, which you cannot imagine uh, what they look like at this point. And, um, you know, and seeing it again in the context of a neighborhood uh, was very important to me. And frankly, it made half the day inspiring. Half the day was sad and terrible and very difficult to stomach, but half of it was inspiring. Davening Mincha in that shul was inspiring, in my opinion. Um, and again, you know, and the, ra- the randomness of the enemy. This house destroyed, the next house never touched. You know, like the randomness was insane. And, uh, you know, 
if you ran to the right place, you had a chance of being saved. If you ran into the wrong place, this gentleman who gave us the tour, his brother ran into the dental clinic because he was part of the security team. Um, you know what the enemy did? In Barry, they were very upset that people kept stealing. There was a lot of theft of uh, weapons. Um, so they found. So what they did was they, they founded a community locker where they would keep all the weapons. Um, and if, God forbid, there's an infiltration. Once then there was theft of weapons before this whole thing. Yeah, meaning okay. that, you know, that like, pe- people uh, couldn't keep... course of time. Right, people couldn't keep track of their stuff. So they created this area, like a big locker of weapons. So if there's ever a problem, the first responders go immediately there, and they start, you know, defending the city. Well, the first two people killed in Barry were the two people with the keys to the locker. Oh, great. So that created a whole problem. And... Um, and I, wouldn't, and I wouldn't be surprised, by the way, if the enemy knew who they were and targeted them because, you know, they, they, were, very, right. they were very clever with that whole thing. Anyway, so um, this gentleman, the brother of the one we met with, mm-hmm. who I believe was the CFO or CEO of the printing company in Barry. Right? You walk into Barry, it's a massive plant. It's a printing plant. Apparently the biggest printer in Israel. I didn't know about that. Yeah. You walk into town. Is it called, ba- like... What's it, it called? Dufus Berry. Oh, wow. And apparently, and it's gigantic. And it must employ hundreds of people in the area, the way it looks. They say if you lose a credit card in Israel, it's printed. The new card is printed in Berry. Wow. Like, that's their deal with American Express and all these, you know. So, it, obviously, it's a very important printing press. <laughs> so, so the, his brother was the CFO or the CEO of the company. And, right. and he ran to the dental clinic where other first responders were gathering. They had some weapons because obviously they carry regular guns with them, you know, regular pistols. Uh-huh. But that's, you know, where they met their end because uh, oh, they... the, the enemy has grenades, whatever RPGs, whatever else they have. Anyway, our brothers and sisters are going through a rough time. And every time we come here, we're emphasizing this. And it's always different. The spirit and the stress and the anxiety is always different. But this is what's going on. The hostage families are very very impatient. I don't know if you saw yesterday in the Knesset, Benjamin Netanyahu was speaking, and they are protesting. I saw their own parrots there, by the way, in the balcony of the, uh, of the Knesset yesterday. And they're protesting. I'm not saying him specifically. I'm saying in general they're protesting, and they want results now, and they want hostages home now. And you know, we I understand get it. that. Of understand course. That. Of course we understand And that. they're getting very impatient, and they're wondering, you know, will they ever see these family members again, you know. So all that is very difficult to deal with. So... Um, it's a it's it's an all hostage all the time, all hostages all the time, and when not, it's all fallen soldiers all the time. Um, it's uh, this is going to be a long war. This is going to be a long war, and and especially if they do, if they find it, if they find the ability to bring people back to their towns. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about Barry. Barry's not going back for a while. They're thinking of going to Nitzar- to um, Chatzirim. And then after Chatzirim for a year and a half, going back to uh, Barry once it's rebuilt. Um, I mean, what's happening? I mean, there's no, there's nothing happening now in terms of rebuilding or like private people. Are there not are people sleeping there, like he's sleeping there, the one who gave us the tour. Um, in his in his place. In his house, they had. I mean, he had weeks of cleanup because the army was sleeping there. Um. <laughs> so he had weeks of cleanup. Uh, and he didn't mind giving his place to the army, but you know, <laughs> when, the army when, the, could, when the army invades your house for a few weeks, there's some cleanup to do afterwards. You know, I mean, I mean, you know, the army is there in in, in the in area. Gaza itself. Sure. The question: Are they in? Are they protecting? They're not officially. Are they officially protecting these areas, or they're just 
there's a tremendous presence oh, there, I, so I therefore got, they can be there. I got the impression that near the entrance of every one of these towns, there's now military presence. Uh, if not exclusive, then shared, but sometimes military presence. What did, did you speak to Tzion Leshem about what's happening in Naved in terms of a military presence? Well, I said to him, what's with security in Naved? He points to his uniform and says, that's me. <laughs> I said, yeah, but I mean, he goes, yes, the army is there. And because okay. 70% of the people are back. Army has to be there, you know. Um, it's like sort of the old rule, you know, with Gush Katif, that if there's a town, you have you to have, have to army protect there. It, right? So, um, so we'll see. I mean, <laughs> if in fact they're able to get everyone back within a reasonable amount of time, then, then hopefully it will, it, it will, um, it will lead Israel to be able. In other words, if right now the refugees is one of the major, major problems because Israel is, you know, in Gaza, if they're able to get them back. You know, to their towns, then it won't not put that pressure on the army. That this has to have to be finished right away. They'll be able to hopefully continue, you know, fighting the battles. Um, but anyway, that's what's going on. So uh, I mentioned that to you. I mentioned last night we were at Channel Thirteen with Tzviyachas Kelly, and I got to thank Tikva Adler. Tikva Adler gets all the credit in addition to one other person. Well, she deserves the credit. She gets all the credit for a two-month effort yeah, to get Tzviyachas really Kelly on JMN, which he will be on in just a few minutes. Um, and I thought it was a great conversation, very interesting one, certainly. Uh, for those who don't know, just because you have to have the perspective. If you don't have the perspective, then you just think he's another Kahanist. You know, you have to have the perspective that he, as he says, I'm not giving you my opinion. I'm telling you what's being thought in the mind of the typical Arab. I am not giving you my opinion. I'm just telling you, you want to know what they are thinking. You know, I'm telling you what they're thinking. This is what. So, that, so he's a like he's the Arab expert. That's uh, he, he is the expert on on. I mean, they, I mean, I don't know if I'm putting this the right way, but for our purposes, I think it's the right way. He's the expert on the mind of the Arab world. Uh-huh. Um, he had eight interviews with Yasser Arafat. He mentions that. Wow. He, he asked Arafat some direct questions. How old is he? I don't know. We could Google it. Yeah. He spent a lot of time in Europe, a lot of time with Muslims, spent a lot of time in Gaza, sometimes undercover. And he knows, you know, there's a gentleman... Um, Whose last name is Avraham? Anybody ha- who who who's listening to this who knows who I'm talking about, you could text it to me. There's a gentleman whose last name is Avraham. He's a Gare. He grew up as a uh, quote unquote Palestinian in Gaza, right? right and he that. has videos online describing what it was like growing up there. So, the, the, you know, the, so he, meaning Tzviyachas Kelly, also had an experience not like that. He didn't go to quote unquote yeshiva high school in Gaza. <laughs> but he did have an experience of being undercover. He's 53. He did have uh, the experience being undercover of, you know, living with people in Gaza and hearing what they have to say and what they're thinking. So he brings all of this to uh, Channel 13 on a regular basis. Interesting. And he finally agreed to be on JM in the AM, and we did that last night, and we'll hear it in just a few minutes here um, on a Tuesday morning broadcast. So there you have it. Um, what else I want to tell you? Everything else I think is going well. The reaction to the Pollard interview was pretty strong, thank God. That was nice. And we have more videos, by the way, for social media that will be coming out. Oh, great. We'll do that at probably around noontime, Eastern time today. And um, and there you have it. I want to thank all those who are donating to our campaign, an anonymous donation to our grandchild, Be'eri, and our Chayafim. Um, Thank you. Thank you to Barbara Minchenberg, a $100 donation, fjbunity.org, final week of the year, fjbunity.org, even though we are going to be extending our campaign for a few weeks nonetheless. Now is the last week of the year. You may want to give and give generously, fjbunity.org. Again, 
fjbunity.org. Feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN, Nahum Single Network app for Android and iPhone and comment away. <laughs> Tikva says, <laughs> Tikva says, oh, first of all, Tikva says it's day number 81. I didn't realize that. I thought it was 80. Wow. Tikva says it's day number 81. She says, happy 18th birthday to Yaakov Benaya Adler. Happy birthday. Yaakov Benaya. 18. Wow. Significant date especially in Israel, the difference between what Ketzel has said to what the residents say is that the residents don't feel safe to go back home. No, I get that, but, but Ketzel felt it was legitimate to discuss how, even in the throes of the disengagement, to discuss how we'll be back. So I thought it's legitimate in the throes of this war and battle to say we'll be back, but not everybody seems to be ready for that. They want to focus on the day-to-day of this war first, which I think I get. And the Tikva says she didn't try to get to get uh, Kelly on the air for two months. She tried for a year and a half. And we will hear the fruits of her labor coming up in just a few minutes if you keep it here at JM in the AM. Tuesday morning on this 26th of December, the 14th day in the month of Teves, with a big thank you to brand new grandpa, <coughs> excuse me, brand new grandpa Mayor Fertig, who sat in yesterday and he'll be with us again tomorrow between 6 and 9 a.m. Mayor, thank you. Mayor Fertig sitting in yesterday and again sitting in tomorrow here at JM and the AM. I thank him very, very much. To him and Chani and the whole family, Leora, of course, Shachar, a major Mazel Tov. The bris took place this past Sunday. Mazel Tov from all of us here at JM and the AM. Benny Friedman is next. You're listening to JM and the AM. Lo 
With Benny Friedman, Lola Fachet is the name of that one. It is a Tuesday morning broadcast, hour number one. We're at the Nefesh Benefesh headquarters, our temporary studio here in Jerusalem on a Tuesday, fjbunity.org, in the final day of the year. Many of you want to, uh, I know, want to give generously to our campaign, fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org, everything between now and the end of the year is uh, being matched. So please join the hundreds who have already given and give as generously as possible, and I thank you very, very much. Full slate here today, full slate. We will be speaking to uh, some of the people that are uh, supporting our Chayalim with beef jerky. We'll be speaking to some of the people who are supporting our brothers and sisters with the Torah study. We'll be speaking with some of the people who are supporting our victims of terror families with uh, funding. We will speak to uh, somebody who's going to tell us about Israeli wine. We're going to speak to the author of the book, Zionism Today. Uh, we have a lot coming up here at JMAM, including Tzvi Kelly, the expert when it comes to the Arab world, the Arab mind, the Arab mindset. Uh, we have this conversation we had with him yesterday that we're going to be playing for everybody in just a couple of minutes here at JM in the AM. And you'll have an opportunity to hear what he has to say about this entire situation. I thank you for joining us. My thanks to Mayor Fertig for sitting in yesterday. Much appreciated. Mazal tov again to the Fertig family on the big Simcha, uh, their brand new grandchild, which is pretty amazing. That's right. Mayor Fertig is a grandfather. Pretty amazing. Uh, so Mazal tov and Mayor is going to be sitting in tomorrow and I thank him. I get to enjoy the beautiful land and state of Israel tomorrow as um, a mayor will be sitting in at JM in the AM. Um, so here he is. He's the expert as far as we're concerned when it comes to the um, Arab world and the mind of the, uh, the collective mind of the Arab world. Tzviyachaz Kelly, who is featured on a regular basis on the television here in Israel, always commenting on the situation. You can imagine how he's been turned to for commentary. Uh, during this um, during this war, um, 
uh, here as uh, as the news obviously is dominated by discussion about the war. Here it is. I spoke with him last night. Zviyaches Kelly, my guest. This is what the interview sounded like. You're listening to JM in the AM. Zviyaches Kelly is with us. Why do you think we haven't had a hostage deal in the last couple of weeks? First, uh, I just went out from the studio and Hamas and uh, Jihad Islami rejecting the the Egyptian initiative, whatever. They feel so in power. They feel that they uh, still can handle and uh, they don't want... Why they, they, that they will go to, to uh, a deal uh, if they feel that the world with us, with them, uh, that they have a supply, uh, the European community uh, and, and in, in the United States as well, people saying stop killing uh, Gaza children. Why not? You know, well, we don't care for uh, Gaza children. Uh, we care more, right. <laughs> unfortunately. So uh, they have nothing to lose at this point. Exactly. So why he would say yes? This is a, this is the negotiation. This is the bazaar of the Middle East. You know, uh, it's bloody. It's cruel. And we're not there. We're not there because we went to this. Uh, uh, war because we, we there was a conception our conception collapsed at Simchat Torah the 7th of October uh, and we, we, we still see a lot of mistakes due to this conception one but of the first mistakes you mentioned was that we didn't respond immediately you would have liked on October yeah, 8th yeah. if the state of Israel would have responded was that even realistic were we prepared for the for the, the firepower that we needed for a day like October 8th it just was a small hint what you could do at the first day, uh, of course, because if you smash at the first day, all the neighborhood and all the guys around will see, whoa, whoa. Right. And you see what's going on with Hezbollah. Yesterday, Hezbollah uh, showed us, the Israeli audience, how Kibbutz Manaro looked like. 86 houses destroyed in, from 155 uh, houses in the Kibbutz. So Hezbollah hitting us in the north, and they, when they are looking at their their screen, they see it's possible we can hit Israel. Israel is no longer the the the, the, the crazy and the cruel and the, the hurting guy. He's always uh, uh, um, the, the compassionate. Yeah, the compassion. So this is thirty years. Is, since is it also. A, is it a myth that Hezbollah's not in this war yet? Is it a myth or or it's or, a myth? Go to the north and see that Hezbollah is in there. Right. Totally. But why have they not done what... what because you don't want. <laughs> because... You don't want. When, when meaning the, the U.S.? You, no, the Israelis. When the Israelis said, we don't want war, they Hamas can, they want, can prevent it. Yeah, want more war than you want. Okay? That's, what, that's why they uh, hurt all your antennas and cameras around the border. They fight you. Uh, we, the Israelis, say, we killed them, 130 uh, guys. It's, it's nothing for, for Nasrallah. For, you know, for the first time since 2006, he's shooting. Where, where is the 1701 resolution of uh, uh, the United Nations? But uh, if his arsenal is so big, why isn't he th- tossing more rockets to Israel? Because he sees the, the don't of, of, of Biden uh, for, from, from a, a, a large war. But until then, you see, all, all the time when, when you are confronting a terror organization, he, he, what they operate uh, towards us, not the missiles, not the, 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 the rockets. Going into our houses. Yeah. They, killing on the street They and operate up first your, your democracy, first. Right. Your 
ability to go around. Ability to to love and to love the the life. And they always operated towards you because they're weak. Because we have a, a atomic bomb. We have a we have abilities uh, that we can we can we can crush all the neighborhood. We don't do it. Why? Because we are not allowing to ourselves to do it and they know it right. so they use it you so, know once the, the Jibril Jub, one of the head of the Palestinians uh, uh, they, they asked him in an interview what would the Palestinians would do if they had an atomic bomb he said if they had uh, it wasn't at the moment it's just, it's just so they asked him what, what do you mean he said at the moment I will have I will shoot it towards Israel it's not a such a responsible country like Israel that taking in consider all the I told yeah I told to the soldiers I'm meeting with the soldier on a daily basis if you're going to think about Gaza children's you're going to lose right. you're going to lose if you're going to think what they did to our children in the kibbutzim we're going to win so you were not surprised, and you're an expert at thinking like an Arab. Yeah. You were not surprised at the barbarism, the terrible things they did, the pogrom-like activities. This no. was like this is like you're saying to people, why on earth would you be shocked? This is the way they think, this is the way exactly. they operate, and this is the type of people they are. But people had said that they were drugged in order to carry this out. Someone like you must think that's a joke. They don't need to no, be drugged. No, they, they drugged in, 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 just to, to not to be weak. Not to, to change their conscience. Just to have energy. Yeah, have energy. energy. No, no. Look, I was surprised that we that the army didn't wait for them. That we were so sleeping, double meaning, uh, yeah. so sleeping in, in our bases that it, I was shocked. That because, you know, uh, the, the, two days, uh, three days before Shoshana, uh, tens of, uh, ten, in 10 September, they showed to the world uh, 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 operation that gonna, they're going to do it. It was on the screen. I, I transmitted here in our studios. And all our, our army went to sleep because they said, Yichia Sinwar, he's deterred. He, 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 we, we gave him a, a, a workers that will go out to work right. in Israel and it will be fun. We are not living in the, in the, in the same neighborhood, me and the army. Is is Judea and Samaria any different? No. Same thing. Same thing in the goal, yeah. But the Palestinian authority. That means the PA is the same. That means Mahmoud Abbas is the same. It means they're all the same. Taken to take an example. If the Israeli army will withdraw from all the West Bank right. in one day, right. and the settlers will have no uh, um, army with them, what would the Palestinian will do? Destroy every home they can. Exactly. And every like you saw in the kibbutzim. Exactly. That's it. So, guys, we're in under attack. We're in the war. But the problem is that in a democratic, liberal life, you can't see it's a war. You see it's terror attacks. You see it's here and there. I'm always tell, saying, go to the, to, the, to the schools, go to the mosque, go to the home, go to the education, and then you will find that you don't have any uh, 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 difference between West Bank and... And, uh, and anyone Gaza. who thinks that that has changed in the last 20 years, that they're being educated differently, they're fooling themselves. No, of course. <laughs> it's I, a joke. I was in the mosques. I was in the places. Israeli are, are, are giving books to the, to the Palestinian in East Jerusalem with the same uh, incitement. So what, what, what's new? Yeah, you were quoted as saying you spoke to Arafat. Yeah. I don't know if it was more than once, but you spoke to Arafat, right? <laughs> yeah, and eight he, times. Eight times? Yeah. And he discussed his patience, his yeah. sablanus. Yeah, sabr. And you said, Zalo ha'ish, 
And the, the issue, issue. issue okay. Because Arafat couldn't care less if he outlives everybody else and if he sees his salvation. All he's worried about is that at some point the Jews will be gone and exactly. they'll be in charge. When I ask him why you did what you did in, in, in September uh, 2000, you know, he, he, we offered you 93%. So a guy, a rational guy that you offer him 93% was said to you, okay, I, I will take it and then I will fight for the last seven. He said, you have, he said to me in English, you have a problem of numbers. I asked him why, I'm, I know mathematics. He said, no, 93% in your revision, it's close to 100. For me, it's zero. So I said to him, and 100? He said, even the 100, it's zero. So I said, hey, I'm confused. He said, it's not about numbers. It's about justice. They are not recognizing in our justice to have a state. <laughs> One other thing you have to address. You made a point of explaining to the world why today's soldiers in Israel, the young 20... Are more 20, passionate to... to why? To, to, to because they born after 2000. You know, in 2000, Arafat, he waged a war with Hamas. He, he released all the Hamas... Uh, uh, from prison, all the you know the the terrorists, and they remember they they, they can't remember Oslo and the the, the peace the, the peace time peace. The young ones can't. Yeah, they remember uh, buses are exploding, going to the mall and checking. Seder and night at the hotel. Exactly, Seder uh, Malone pa- uh, Hotel Park. The park Park Hotel. Th- this uh, I know. I have a nephew there. He's nineteen. In Gaza. Yeah, in Gaza. He's in Golani. He was hurt last week. Uh, he's okay, you know, uh, in his leg, legs. But he said it's so natural for me to go to uh, uh, to the war because I knew it's going to happen. So what's a small soldier know? Even our head of uh, chief of staff don't know why. Because they took them into into education courses to to tell them that the Palestinians want peace and there is a price that we can share and we can, uh, you know, uh, not not to to operate force and. Bullshit. Guys, you live in the Middle East. Study history, not more. Don't read Zvi Kelly and don't uh, hear what he's saying. Read the history, that's it. And uh, President Biden lives in a very different neighborhood. He doesn't live in the Middle East. He doesn't live. President Biden said three weeks before Afghanistan going to fall, he said the guys will, will keep it. We, we, through 20 years, we are forcing them with the best weapon. It's not about weapon. It's about how you operate the weapon. So, you know, we, they failed in Afghanistan. You know, uh, an American guy told me a story uh, that, that the first time that uh, General Petraeus went into Mosul at, at, uh, at uh, the occupation of Iraq in 2003, they went into to, uh, the son of Saddam Hussein uh, palace. They went inside, slept in the, 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 the golden bed and right. were so happy. Sitting on the throne. Yeah, and, and one day they operated. So they invited three uh, uh, major uh, persons from from the community, from the Arab community, the Christian community, to have a dinner with with, with, the, with the new general, with Petraeus, and they sat in a long table. They had a great uh, dinner, and no one from the Iraqis was eaten. So, uh, so, so they asked him, guys, why are you not eating? It's it's halal. They said, um, actually, we don't know. We have any? We have a question. Says, what's the question? He said, they said, who win? Who won the war? Who won the war? So that's you joking? We are here. Saddam Hussein, uh, a statue fall. We, who won the war? We. So says, they said, if you didn't deport us, rape our the daughters, and burn our houses, I don't know who win. And then after twenty years, he said, who win? <laughs> who win in nineteen sixty-seven? Israel in Gaza? 
No. Right. <laughs> Guys, I don't, I don't say that you will operate like them. We are more, we are Jew, we have a Torah. But I can tell you, be aware what your step doing in the other side and how they look. And how they Sometimes your power look as a weakness. Right. Is Shema Yisrael in a mosque a sign of strength or not? I said, I said it's, it's for, for the guys from Jenin, they were afraid. They said, wow. It would have been very effective if they of would. Of course. But then Israel goes ahead and criticizes the soldiers. Always, exactly. How come they don't get it? How come the leaders of Israel don't understand what American they pressure... They don't speak Arabic. They but even the American pressure they cave into every time. Because they, 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 they are American that live here. <laughs> they, not, they don't know Arabic. They don't leave the Arabic culture. Is there anybody in, in Israel? Inside of them, they... They don't like the Arabic culture. Is there anybody in the in the Knesset that knows Arabic and knows, knows Arabic? Ahmad Tibi. <laughs> knows Arab culture? Is there anybody among the Jews? I don't know. I don't know. You know, Mizrahanim, Orientalists, uh, they, they few, you know, Mordechai uh, Kedar, Gai Bechor, all the guys that live with an Arab thinking otherwise. I don't know. That's what happened to me. And that's why their policies are the way they are. And if you wouldn't have had this experience of being with them in so many different places, Gaza, Europe, yeah. otherwise, you might also think differently. Yeah, of course. But you know exactly how they... I know exactly because Arafat told me, we have a problem of rational. You do an agreement to share. This is your, your rational. Right. My rational in agreement that you are not going to be exist. Right. Said, wow! I have uh, Assad. Assad. We thought that Assad, the son, would be so nice. He studied in London. He's a doctor. A Westerner. Uh, yeah, he, he like internet. He killed one hundred eight hundred thousand people, because we don't know to predict them, because we predict us. It's a different. I don't say that they are lower than us. We are lower than them if we don't know them. And we're going to in Simchat Torah to tell to our soldiers, go to sleep, everything is okay. Victory will mean what? This will be a victorious war. Victory if will mean that Gaza Strip will be without Palestinian any kind of authority. And that means not like it was before 2005, no, much more no, than that. No, no, no. Palestinian should immigrate from their will. Outside, they don't have any place to go. Because at the first day, the Palestinians will go to the mosque in the new Gaza. They will hear about the refugee, 48. And then you will see the missiles. So one day, when we told to the Israeli army in 2005, one day they're going to shoot Ashkelon, Ashkelon and Ashdod. They said, you're crazy. You're the Orientalist. All the sea black. It's going to be Singapore. And then they got to Tel Aviv also. It's going to be Singapore, yeah, Halavai. I told to uh, Abu Mazen told me two days before the, the withdrawal from Gaza. I went, I was with our, our Abu Mazen. He said to me, "Next time I'm going to see you here, it will be Singapore, in Arabic Singapore." And then after one year, they kick his guys off. I said to him in in Ramallah, "What about Singapore?" He said, "Tora Bora." That's what happened with Gaza. Yeah, that's exactly what happened with Gaza. Uh, it's a it, it's something that we have so much trouble understanding on the other side of the world in the United States. We think that they are rational. We think they're democratic. They, they, because we think you that think, they think that the, the world is uh, is one uh, one dimension. Right. You know, right. end of history right. was a book that published in the United States in the beginning of ninety that the world will be great because we don't have any things of conflict. What is religious in the West? What is ethnic? In in the West, they can't see really, uh, reality in the eyes of religious because religious is something. But look what happened to me. I became Baal Tshuva from the thing I saw there. If you don't have any religious, you not exist. If you don't have any belief or faith, you're not in the game uh, 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 at all. So 
the Western world can't see it. Even today, Biden's ministry said Palestinian Authority, they killers, not, not uh, less than Hamas. It's wrong. But, you know, the Americans live in their continent. If they will have this problem inside of them, believe me, they were very quick to understand. One last thing. You know what's happening in the United States with anti-Semitism. College campuses, government, yeah. members of Congress, right? Do you have a special message for those in Chutzlaret, or this is an area you don't usually speak about? I will tell. I've been in the United States last week. I gave a lecture in Long Island. And, and, and I had a taxi driver from, from the Rabbi Milubavich Springfield to the, to the neighborhood. And I, he was from Uzbekistan. And he said, I said to him, you're Muslim, yeah. You know Islam, yeah. He, he don't know Islam at the, at the, because he don't know Arabic. Yeah. And I said to him, what do you think about Gaza? He said, you know, shame the Israeli, you're doing such, such a thing. Why are you killing all those kids? I said, because you killed for, in, in Israel 1,400. He said, I didn't hear about it. In Arabic, there is a phrase, he said, you want the truth or his brother? His brother is the, is the star in the United States. They're not telling the truth. They're not telling the truth to their audience in the campuses and so on. And I think that, that there's another reason why they are flattering to the Muslims, to the radical Muslims, because they know that they are the rising power in, in Europe especially and the United States. But it's such a mistake because in the end... They really will be coming Now after. Europe know that they did mistake. Right. You know, the Spanish said, well, we threw, we burned the Jews. We brought Arabs that are laying on, on our, uh, our salaries and our uh, benefits and so on. We're only in the beginning, but I said it at 2011 in our Allah Islam series, in Zahud Buya, in uh, False Identity. It's a, it's a chapter in 2019, 2019, 2019 I did in Florida in uh, uh, Tampa, in New Jersey, mosques that telling you the American, they're going to kick off 20, 30 years. That's it. Yeah, and it's easy to believe now. Yeah. I can't thank you enough. Tadara balacha. Thank, thank you, you so much. You know, I will just... pleasure. Yes, please. It's very difficult to, to catch it, to, to grasp it, because our life is so different. Right? But Rabbi Nachman say, when you want to fulfill and to implement your dream, the first step you have to do is to wake up. So we wake up. Amazing. There it is. My conversation last night with Tzvi Kelly took place at Channel 13 in Neve uh, Ilan near Yerushalayim. And uh, again, very happy I was able to finally get him on the air. The person who is... There we go. The person we usually recognize as the expert on the Arab mind, the Arab mindset, and somebody who has been on Israeli television for many, many years, and now, as you can imagine, his input is uh, uh, more important than ever. So that's Tzvi Kelly, my guest. And again, a big thank you to everybody responsible for helping me get him on the air. It was a months-long process. Glad we did it, and I think, frankly, he was glad that we did it. This is America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program, heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, web at and the NachumSegal Network, and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. It's a Tuesday. We have our Yeshiva League sports update coming up, plus uh, many, many, many guests from Jerusalem, including Rabbi Uri Polachowski standing by. Galay Tzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast next at JMN. גלי צהל מירושלים השעה שתיים, שלום רב, באולפן רן יבנאי עם מה שקורה עכשיו. הותר לפרסום שמו של חלל צהל, סמל ראשון דניאל נחמני, בן 21 מכפר סבא, לוחם בגדוד 71, חטיבה 188, ומת מפצעיו לאחר שנפצע במהלך פעילות מבצעית בצפון הארץ, 
ביום שישי האחרון. יהי זכרו ברוך. המתיחות בצפון, אזרח נפצע באורח בינוני עד קשה מפגיעת טיל נ"ט בגליל. צה"ל משיב בירי לדרום לבנון. מדווח כתבנו בצפון, הדר גיציס. טיל נ"ט שוגר לעבר כנסייה בעיקרית שבגליל המערבי, וכתוצאה מכך נפצע אזרח כבן 80 במצב בינוני עד קשה. הוא פונה להמשך טיפול בבית החולים על ידי צוות מגן דוד אדום. במקביל נורה טיל נ"ט גם למרחב דובב בגליל העליון. קודם לכן זוהו שיגורים לעבר מרחב הרדוב, בצה"ל השיבו ארטילריה, ותקפו מהאוויר מספר יעדים של ארגון חיזבאללה בדרום לבנון. במצרים מדווחים כי פיצוצים נראו בשמי דאב שבסיני וכי גוף מעופף הופל במרחק של שני קילומטרים מהחוף. ידיעה שמסר כתבנו לעניינים ערביים ג'קי חוגי. שר הביטחון יואב גלנט השתתף הבוקר בדיון של ועדת החוץ והביטחון של הכנסת. בפתח הדיון רמז גלנט שישראל תקפה באיראן ואמר הותקפנו משבע זירות, פעלנו כבר בשש מתוכן. כל מי שפועל נגדנו הוא מטרה. אנחנו מותקפים משבע גזרות. שונות. עזה, לבנון, סוריה, יהודה ושומרון, עיראק, תימן ואיראן. אנחנו הגבנו ופעלנו כבר בשש מתוך הגזרות האלה, ואני אומר כאן בצורה המפורשת ביותר, כל מי שפועל נגדנו הוא מטרה פוטנציאלית, אין חסינות לאף אחד. מדבריו הביא כתבנו הצבאי דורון קדוש. וברקע המלחמה, דוח הסוכנות הבינלאומית לאנרגיה אטומית גילה איראן הגבירה את קצב ייצור האורניום המועשר, מדווח כתב חדשות החוץ ברק בטש. על פי תוצאות הדוח האחרון שפרסמה הסוכנות, איראן חזרה להעשיר אורניום ברמה של 60% ובכמות של לפחות 9 קילוגרם בחודש, ולמעשה שבה לקצב הייצור שהיה לה עד לפני ההאטה האחרונה שדווחה בתחילת חודש ספטמבר. אז באיראן העשירו רק 3 קילוגרמים של אורניום בחודש. באיראן דיווחו לסוכנות הבינלאומית לאנרגיה אטומית על השינוי בקצב הייצור לפני כחודש. דיווח פלסטיני על חיסול ממוקד בח'אן יונס, כלי טיס צה"לי תקף בצהריים רכב במחנה הפליטים בעיר. על פי דיווחים, כמה מנוסעי הרכב חוסלו ואחרים נפצעו. במקביל, צה"ל החזיר לבית חולים ברפיח 80 גופות, שאותן אספו הכוחות ממקומות שונים ברצועת עזה מאז תחילת הפעולה הקרקעית. כך סיפר היום מנהל בית החולים הנג'אר בעזה. השר יואב קיש תוקף את דבריו של השר ברקת בישיבת הממשלה, כי אנחנו מסכנים חיילים שלא לצורך. ואומר לאמיר איבגי, זו אמירה חסרת אחריות. האמירה של ניר ברקת הייתה חסרת אחריות, לא הייתה במקומה, לא מוסמכת ולא נכונה, שמייצרת דמורליזציה וחסרת אחריות. לא כך צריך לנהוג שר בממשלה שיושב ושומע את הדברים בצורה מאוד ברורה. מזג האוויר, הטמפרטורות גבוהות מהרגיל העונה. אלה החדשות שעורך רועי ולד. J.M. and the A.M. That's our newscast at the top of the hour. Thanks for joining us. Hour number two of a Tuesday broadcast with a big thank you to Mayor Fertig, the brand-new grandpa who sat in yesterday at J.M. and the A.M. He'll actually be sitting in again uh, tomorrow between 6 and 9 a.m. Eastern time. I thank Mayor very much. Don't forget our big campaign is in the final week of the year, not the final week of the campaign, but the final week of the year. A lot of people like to... Um, Donate to good causes toward the end of the year. Go to fjbunity.org. Again, that's fjbunity.org. Rabbi Uri Polachowski uh, has a brand-new book entitled Zionism Today. This is a book that I, that I read uh, most of uh, in Jerusalem this past Shabbat. How do you like that? Zionism Today challenges for the Jewish nation in the 21st century. Full disclosure, as many people know, Rabbi Uri Polachowski's daughter is married to my son, Yehoshua. 
a pleasure to welcome you back to JM and the AM. Thank you for having me. And the book, by the way, mentions Joshua Siegel. It does, of course, <laughs> for sure. Which is really nice. Uh, congratulations on the book. I found it fascinating. It's uh, one of those books where you've taken a whole bunch of great articles that you've written over the years and put it into one Zionism compendium, so to speak. Uh, why put it together like this? Why release it as a book? Uh, I think it's uh, important ideas over the last couple of years uh, that come to the core of what Zionism is all about and skips over the current events and the current, uh, you know, definitely me doesn't mention the war because it was right. written before the war um, and doesn't get caught up in the small details of everyday life, but rather looks at a very large picture and bigger issues. Are you surprised? that how many um, young people, and I say it to you like that because you spend most of your day educating young people, both here and in the United States, are you surprised by how many young people and how many older adults do not have much of a clue about the history of Zionism. It's not just the history. I think it's even more the principles of Zionism. And I don't blame anybody because we don't study it anymore. We're just so caught up with the social media and how many people hate us and, and the bad news and how do we defend ourselves. And we're, we're so worried about that. We're not actually thinking about who we are and why we love this land. You know, the, the big picture issues that Theodor Herzl was actually grappling with, those haram and those type of uh, big pictures, you know, big picture issues, those are the things that we should really be spending some time on. Well, when someone does go into that area of education, or if someone does pick up this book and starts reading about it, do you suspect it's going to give them a greater appreciation of this land and of this mission? That I would just describe? definitely hope so. That's and when sure they come the here, no, but in all seriousness, because you, yeah. you're, you're educating high school kids. Yes. When they come here... If they wouldn't have had the experience with you, their experience in Israel would likely be different, right? Uh, well, I'd hope so. I hope I'm right. having that uh, that type of uh, an impression on them. Yeah, so for sure. Uh, but th that's the goal. The goal is really, you know, everything that we love, that we truly, truly love, we have trouble putting into words why we love it, right? To so ask somebody to explain why you loved your parents, yeah. right? It's a Very feeling, difficult. an emotion. It's a feeling, it's an emotion. So what I'm trying to do in this book is give people an understanding through words what the love we have for this land is all about, what the Jewish connection, the Jewish rights to this land are. The, the foundations of what Zionism is all about and what our connection to this land is all about. And, um, I mean, I got this perspective from the book. Um, we, we don't understand the similarities between us and the way we think and the way they were thinking 150 years Correct, ago for sure. about the same issues. Right, for Both, sure. And, and by the way, religious leaders in addition to the secular Zionist 100%, 100%, right, for sure. Uh, the open tent of Zionism, right, is something that people don't realize. Everybody thinks it's just for them, right. just for my clique, right? But it's really not true if I'd ask you, uh, is Zionism a religious or a secular movement, right? It takes you a second to realize, like, well... I, I don't know. Like, is right. it, it could be both. It could be neither. Um, a capitalist or socialist, right? So we're, um, there's all these different types of Zionism. And the, the biggest thing is that there's no definition of Zionism, right? It's a, it's a whole movement that was successful in creating a state, and there's no actual definition. Theodore Herzl never got up and said, this is what it is. Um, or, you know, at a conference, they said, this is what we're all going to be about. And uh, it just, like, sort of came about, and we created this massive state that's, an, that's a, a thriving success by any measure. And it's funny because then when Herzl started making proposals about what the next steps are, people were probably stunned. Like, why would that be a good natural step exactly. for Exactly, and it was movement. very controversial, right? right. Uh, Herzl got up and said, let's go to Uganda. Right. And people were like, no, what do you mean? The Russian Jews sat down and sat, you know, they tore Korea and right. they, they sat Shiva and said, no, it's, it's Eretz Yisrael or bust. And that became, you know, thankfully, that became the direction. When you think about the fact, I mean, I've made this point so many times, about the fact that we actually have a state when all these factions and opinions, and, and you've just added to it for me. Because it's not just we come from different areas religiously, halachically, from secular points, 
points of view. But then toss into that that no one's exactly sure what the next step in each one of these scenarios should be. And then sure. right. It's a miracle we have a right. state. We don't know what's going to be in two weeks. <laughs> right. right. We're fighting a war right now, right? And, uh, and you always hear the Biden administration you know, saying to the Israelis, well, what do, you, what do you think about the day after, right? What's, what's going to happen the day, day after? What's going to happen next week? We don't know what's going to be next week. Forget about the day after. Rabbi Uri Polachowski is here. The book is called Zionism Today. By the way, is this being mass produced, available everywhere? What are we it doing it is. It's on Amazon. You can definitely get it on Amazon. Um, yeah, but, uh, but also, if you want a good deal, you can get in touch with me personally. Ooh, I yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. Great bar mitzvah gift. Very good. A gift for anybody. And yeah. wonderful to give out to your high school students, no matter where you are in this high world. High school students and also non-Jewish friends. Right. Yeah, now you have all these non-Jewish friends and you want to give them something that, uh, that teaches them what Israel is all about. This is it. You have over 100 chapters in this book. I do. So I can't go through all of them now, but <laughs> let's discuss chapter 43. Okay. Miracles are the norm in Israel. Are yeah. you feeling that during this war as well? For sure. That's a you know, great great quote by Ben-Gurion that he said that uh, if you're, you're not a realist if you don't believe in miracles here. You know, that's, uh, you know, that, it, it's impossible to look at the last 75, the last 100 years and look at this place and say that the miraculous isn't happening on a daily occasion. You know, It doesn't matter. Okay, let's say you're, you're an atheist. right? Mm-hmm. And I have plenty of uh, Zionist atheist friends. And even they have to look at this and say, okay, this is not normal. right? This is not the average way of the world and how it should work. I meant I mentioned earlier uh, on the air uh, in the early part of the show that I was in Be'eri on Sunday and there was a gentleman who lost his brother in the attack who was giving us a tour of the area. He had never been inside the synagogue, the one synagogue in Be'eri. This attack happened when he got back into town. The first thing he did was walk into the synagogue. And bench Gomel with wow. by himself. Wow, wow, wow. And I'm sort right. of like, wow. I mean, I know the whole atheist in a foxhole thing. Right. I get it. But there is something about our tradition, our heritage that just pulls and this it land, off. and this, this land, land, this land, it touches you in ways everybody knows it. Try explaining to somebody your, that feeling you had the first time you went to the the Kotel to the Western Wall. Try putting that into words. You have a chapter here uh, entitled "Unity Must Take Priority," and it was written way before. Yeah. Unity has become such a central theme right. of this war. Yeah. Let's try to forget about the war for a moment. Why? What were you writing about in the Unity? So think chapter? about what happened the year before. It feels like it's decades ago, but the year before the war, we were a divided nation, whether it was through judicial reform or people's fear of religious coercion in this country. Right? We had a strong divide. Ten days before was Yom Kippur, uh, before the attack was Yom Kippur. And Yom Kippur, we had arrests in Tel Aviv during the ELA over Mechitza. Right, right. And, 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 and a terrible scene. Horrible scene. Horrible scene. In Israel, I mean, imagine telling to somebody we're going to have a Jewish state with Israeli police officers arresting rabbis for putting up a mechitza in a, in a service that other people want to attend without a mechitza. I mean, it's crazy. And that's how, that's how divided we were. And unfortunately, the divisions always hurt us. Yeah, that's, uh, so unity was, was something on my mind and on many people's minds uh, in, the, in the months leading up to the war. Now, unfortunately, right, so... Yeah, now it's Yachad and Atzech. You see signs for unity all over the country. Uh, it's my belief that uh, we have, we're going to be united as a people. And God gives us a choice. We could do it on our own or he'll set up the situation where we have to be united. And we weren't united. And unfortunately, uh, now we are. Yeah, we learned our lesson, didn't we? Yeah. The book is called Zionism Today, Challenges for the Jewish Nation in the 21st Century, Rabbi Uri Pulichowski, Amazon, variety of places, Judaica stores in the get U.S. Get in touch with me again. And get me. in touch with Uri. Yeah. He'll make sure you're well uh, taken yeah. care of. By the way, um, fun fact okay. regarding the Siegel and Pulichowski family. Okay. We're in the hotel and going through the itinerary of one of the prominent groups, the one Israel fund. Okay. And today, yeah. 
Aliza Pilichowski is addressing the group. Yeah, people don't realize that. Yeah, so now I'm an author. I'm doing some interviews, and people think that uh, that I'm the person to interview. My wife's the one to interview. She's the she's the star of our family. So uh, yeah, much more impressive got quite than me. An assignment. Yes, she has uh, many. She has five or six things on her schedule today, and uh, they are all more impressive than anything I've got. No offense to the Nachum Siegel Thanks Network. Yeah. <laughs> but the group has a tougher assignment because I said yeah. to them they all have to send regards to the Machatein. Ah, uh, there you go. There would, you go. Would you sign? this for me? Yeah, I think I did already. Look, did you? turn it. Turn it on the page. How did I miss it? Unless, hey, maybe you have a different book? Yeah. I thought I signed it. Okay, yeah, for sure I will. Please, are you of course. kidding? This will add, you know, I have a policy. I don't know if you know this policy. I, oh, and you would not appreciate this policy. Because <laughs> okay. Uri Pilachowski saves all his books. I do, I do. I try not to give away books. In the Nahum Siegel household, books that have no inscription are... I give them fifty fifty shot wow. that they're sticking okay. around yeah. with an inscription. It must stay forever. Right, that's, uh, that's the rule. I'll make sure to make sure to sign it. So, so just, I got yeah. I got very lucky this trip because uh, Rabbi Chanoch Teller. Okay, he signed his book about Rabbi Kellimer. Oh, very me. nice. Okay. So I have to take that one home. Right. Yeah, I'll take yours home. Now. Correct. Right. And Jonathan Pollard, very interesting. He brought along a gift. You know the book uh, Yehuda Avner, the Ambassador. Of course. He brought that book to me as a gift, and I had him sign it. Why maybe, that book specifically, I don't know. Maybe it was a reference to him. Maybe he didn't get a chance to read it while I was in jail, and right. now he just got it now. That could be. Who knows? <laughs> so thank you for that, and good luck with the book. Thank you very much. And Thanks for having me. You. We should see each other again this week. Amen. Hopefully yes. we will. Yeah, yeah. Rabbi Uri Pulichowski, everybody. He has the distinction of being uh, Tamima Siegel's father. How do you like that? And that is a uh, badge he wears with great pride, to say the least. More coming up. We have Simon Jacob in studio. That's happening next at JM in the AM. Okay. 
J.M. in the A.M. with Shuli Rand and Ani Mamin here at J.M. in the A.M. Elliot Weiselberg has our Yeshiva League sports update. It is Tuesday after all. Elliot Weiselberg, Yeshiva League sports update on a Tuesday at J.M. in the A.M. Thanks, Nachum. We are in the last week of 2023, which means that the playoff run is about to begin for the winter sports season. Straight ahead on the Tuesday morning, JM and the AM Sports Update, both varsity hockey and basketball have divisions that have been thrown wide open by hard-fought battles that now leave favorites with tough matchups wondering whether home court will be theirs. All that and more straight ahead. Good morning. I'm Elliot Weisselberg. It's certainly a noteworthy moment when you can truly feel that anything can happen in a season. For boys varsity hockey this year, the most definitely is the feeling that anyone can emerge as the champion of the 2023-2024 sports year. The latest example occurred between Hafter and the last undefeated DRS this last Saturday night in Hafter. Jonah Oliner broke a 1-1 tie early in the third period, and the Hawk defense stepped up to the task of knocking off the Wildcats, potentially throwing the East into chaos. While a DRS win would have given the Wildcats cushion against all teams other than Hank, who it could have squared away in their matchup tomorrow night, but now Hank 8-1 following their 11-6 win over YDE, with a win over DRS would only have one game left against a team currently over 500. While the Wildcats still need to play TABC, 8-1 and, and leading the West following their 4-1 win over SAR, and Hafter opening the door for Hank and a slim chance for Hafter to still take the East. In other action, MTA took two on the week to jump over 500 at 5-4, throwing them into a tie with Kushner for the final playoff spot in the West. In JV, DRS took two wins on the week, knocking off Frisch 4-2 and Hafter 3-2. DRS stays undefeated at 6-0 and gear up to meet TABC, who fell to SAR 6-0. The win for the Sting keeps SAR perfect as they roll toward a meetup with DRS on the other side of the calendar turn to decide the league's top spot. For TABC, the week ahead is crucial as they play Frisch in addition to the Wildcats. Should TABC not pick up any points in the two matchups, they will risk missing the postseason due to the two ties that will cost them all tiebreakers. Hafter at 3-4 isn't quite in the same boat, but they still hold their own destiny in their hands, starting with a matchup against faltering YDE tonight in Brooklyn. In varsity basketball, both conferences are shaping up to be exciting down the stretch run, as the West finds six teams between the two and four loss marks, and the East sees two Brooklyn teams virtually guaranteed to walk away with buys. Out West, Frisch, Ramaz, and TABC all hold two losses, by virtue of TABC's 40-36 win over Frisch, Yona Mandel's 10 points were crucial for the Storm in a defensive battle that keeps TABC in the running for the West's top spot, with a rematch between the two set for January. The second group in the West, Heschel, SAR, and JEC, all have four losses, with Orius Rowell right behind them at 6-5 and five to keep things interesting. Orius Rowell salvaged its week that started with a 13-point loss to Frisch by defeating YDE 48-45. In the East, Flappish and Mag and David each pushed their claim forward with wins over DRS. 
both sit at only one loss and expect to remain so until next week's showdown between the two that, barring any shenanigans on behalf of 3-5 and five North Shore or 6-3 and three Hafter in their matchups with Mag and David, will determine where in Kings County home court will reside. And that was your Tuesday morning JM the AM sports update. I'm Elliot Weisselberg. JM in the AM. Good morning, everybody. Simon Jacob is host of the Kosher Terroir. You'll hear it on the Nahum Siegel Network at 6.30 p.m. every single Thursday. Make sure to be tuned in in advance of the Kedem presentation of the Erev Shabbos show with Mark Zamek. The Kosher Terroir, which apparently is a word that refers to something important and vital when it comes to good and delicious wine. Here to describe which wines you should be purchasing. I have a feeling he's only going to going to recommend one category today. Uh, if you're curious about what wines you should be purchasing at this time during the war in Israel, uh, then listen carefully as Simon Jacob is here in our Nefesh Benefesh studio at JM and the AM. Simon, again, it is a pleasure to reunite with you in the holy city. It's the best to be here in Jerusalem with you. No, I keep coming back really to the see best. you. Yeah, you're awesome. You're absolutely awesome. Thank you for not making me schlep all the way back to the state. <laughs> That's number one. Instead of having a bagel at Poppy's, we've yeah. been eating here. We've been meeting yes. here. Much better. Israel. Much better. Um, I want to tell you the episode this week is particularly interesting. This the, coming Thursday. No, night. no. Oh, last last Thursday. Thursday. So you can listen to it in the right. archives already. Um, involved uh, a gentleman by the name of Eli Ben Zakin, who is historic in the Israel wine industry. He is the owner, founder of Castell Winery, okay, which is awesome winery, probably Very well known. it's thought as being the number one winery in Israel, and the number one in quality winery in Israel. It's not the biggest, but it's the highest among the boutique wines, wineries. Um, what's cool about him is we discussed Israel's situation right now, and he's a Zionist, a hardcore left-wing Zionist, and but he's a Zionist not from the 40s or 30s that I, can re- I can't relate to, to be honest. He's a Zionist from the 60s and 70s. It's interesting, your last discussion about Zionism, right. because it's Zionism that is during a key point of time that I grew up in, and my, my brain resonates with the 60s and 70s in Israel. And that's exactly the time he grew his winery. Um, he, he came here, went through developing a business here. He actually had a restaurant here that I'm sure you remember called Mamma Mia. Of course. So he, that was his <laughs> restaurant and, uh, in Jerusalem, and that was the first, uh, the first successful thing that they pulled off, and then they opened Castel. And it's really uh, quite a remarkable story. And it's also remarkable to see how this war has totally impacted him. He initially wouldn't come on. He was incredibly reluctant to come on to the show with me. He said, I can't do this now. My head is just so messed up from the war. Um, and it was he just incredibly emotional about it. And, um, and, and it's, it was an incredible discussion to talk to him about it, to talk to him about Israel and where it is at right now and um, what's going on, as well as wine. Sure. But but the overall, he finally came back to the to the feeling that, hey, if if we don't get back to normal, the terrorists have won. The only way we can the only way we can really prove as not 
you know, fighters. He's not a fighter anymore, meaning he's not on, he, he fought in the Yom Kippur War. He said, I, I, I can't, I'm not in the front lines anymore. I can't do that. But I have to do what I have to do in my life. And that deciding that um, you have to live your life in Israel to the best you can and come out of that, you know, funk and move forward was um, a key thing. And he said, this is the way to do it. And, and I'm, I'm making a mistake, not, not going back to normal. And uh, though it's definitely impacting every single person that I speak to, it's there in the back of everybody's minds. It's on our shoulders. There isn't anybody who doesn't feel the war on their shoulders. I'm not touching it. <laughs> there isn't anybody who doesn't feel the war on their shoulders. There isn't anybody. And because of that, it's, um, it's like a, it's a crazy situation. But that was a specifically wonderful um, interview to go through, and um, it was a lot of fun. And you didn't even mention, you know, God knows the number of reservists that came from his staff that are either still in or were part of the last eight weeks in the Army. Absolutely. Which let, impacts let me, everything. Okay, I can't tell you where they are, <laughs> but I got pictures of um, one of the reservists is uh, his um, vineyard, uh, one of his vineyard managers is a person um, by the name of Sam Baum, who I also did um, an interview with, uh, a podcast on it, with uh, Sam Baum. And he, from a, a winery, he, they call themselves the Family Baum Winery. And he's, he's I've working. I've seen those bottles. Okay. They're very special. A lot of people uh, love his wine. And he does that. He works for Castell. He won't tell people that. I just said it. But, um, but he, he also does his own wine. And his wife is at home making wine now because he's in the middle of Gaza. So he's one of the people who's there. There's a whole bunch of people. There isn't a winery that is fully staffed where everybody is here and working. You know, when you said it two months ago, it did not resonate as much with me as it does now. Um, what did you say two months ago? You said that everybody listening right now yep. should consider yep. uh, switching for at least a little while exclusively to Israeli wines. Yep. And I was saying to myself, as the war had just started, I'm saying to myself, does that make much of a difference? And then at some point in the last few weeks, it hits you how every one of these purchases, every one of these tourist attractions that keep the owners of the tourist attractions going, every one of these uh, fairs, and, and um, they had here the other day when we were here a, a farmer's market, every yeah. one of these things is so vital to just helping people move along, help people financially, and therefore... It's, why, it's, why are you here? I invite yeah. you to remind everybody, hey, there's a zillion great Israeli wines out there, the kind I like and the kind you like. Yeah. All you need to do is put a single bottle of kosher wine on your table for Shabbat. From Israel. And, from Israel. And it makes, from Israel. And it makes a huge difference. Yeah. It makes a huge difference. So I, I'm not against any other countries. There's so many great winemakers yeah. and so many we great wineries. Yeah. So, but right now... This is this is an, this war is impacting Israel. It's not impacting France or Italy or even California. It's impacting Israel. And yes, it does impact everybody. But the truth is, it's uh, economically, it's impacting the Israeli wineries. I walked into uh, I walked into filler up in Teaneck. Um, oh gosh, yeah. I, I I can't believe I just forgot his name. He's gonna <laughs> he's gonna rightfully <laughs> be upset. I can't believe it. 
Um, Mendy, Mendy at Filler. Yes, I know I was going to say. Yeah, Mendy, Mendy and Filler up in Teaneck. And I said yeah. to him, uh, you know, what would you recommend? You have a million bottles here. What would you recommend? He said, I'm going to tell you something. The winery in Susia, I can't remember the name of the winery. I'm yeah. the, I don't know if you remember the name. The winery in Susia is basically a one-man operation. And that man is now in reserves. Right. <laughs> so if you want to go, so I bought it. It was a $50 bottle of wine. I bought that wine. It was delicious, by the way. It was with a D. I can't remember the name. Was Delta. It, is it Delta? Yeah. Maybe I don't remember. It might, yeah. Anyway, so I'm just telling people, do a drop of research, and you'll yeah. be enjoying an incredible wine from Israel uh, that's, on your shop. Just, just try. There's so many great wines um, coming out of Israel. There's just incredible. You know how many Moscatos come out of Israel now? No, a lot. Tremendous. Tepperberg has a Carmel. beautiful white one and also beautiful red one. Right. Um, They're a lot of fun. A lot and of good ones. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's really great. All right, biyachad ninatzeach, as they say. Please, God. Please, God. The unity is alive and well. Let's keep it going. Yep. And we actually have an, another two guys, two young guys, who make wine in Dolev, um, which is used to be 20 minutes from Jerusalem, but now with the whole carving up of the country and what have you, they're about an hour and 20 minutes from Jerusalem. Um, it's up north, and they have their own little winery, and it's uh, called Mosaic Cellars, and they're featured on uh, Thursday. They'll be featured on Thursday evening. This coming Thursday night. This Thursday night. 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time, the Kosher Terroir, Simon Jacob with amazing winemakers and great companies. Check it out on the Nachum Single Network right before the Kedem presentation of the Arab Shabbos show every single week on Thursday. Part of an amazing Thursday lineup that we have on NSN. And um, early in the war, as you and many people know, Gavriel Siegel is here for the year. And early in the war, I said to him, is everything all right? Like, and he goes, there's no place I'd rather be. And remember, you were living in New yeah. Jersey till just a few years ago. And yeah. I think you would say, Baruch Hashem, you're here at this time. 100%. I'm, I'm not only happy that I'm here, I'm happy my kids are here. Right. Baruch Hashem. Thank you, Simon. Thank you. Always Thank you, Nachum. Always at the line. Really a pleasure. He's the one and only Simon Jacob. Pretty amazing. Rabbi David Goldwasser's words, Zechonishmas Arav Zebenavis of Alevi and Zechonishmas Esther Basavis of Alevi. Here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with Morning Chizuk. Good morning. Over the past months, Klau Yisrael has gone through some very challenging times. It's an ace Tzorah Yaakov. We have all experienced some very difficult days. There was once a person that came in to the great Rosh Hashiva Ponovich, Rav Shach. He told Rav Shach that he has gone through a lot, that he has suffered, and he began to talk about his pain. Rav Shach listened very closely to every word that the man said. Then Rav Shach asked a member of his family to please bring their guest a cup of hot tea and a small dish of honey. They brought him the tea, and they put the honey right by the side of the cup. Rav Shach then took a spoonful of honey. He held it, and he began to cry. Tears started to roll down his face. The man said, Rebbe, Rebbe, what happened? Why are you crying? The man was all confused. Rav Shach explained, Do you see this delicious sweet honey? It was produced by a bee, a bee who has a sting that's painful. If a bee would come into this room, we would do anything to try to get the bee out of our room. 
We would definitely not sit down while the bee was flying around. However, do you see the honey? Do you see its sweetness? That little bee that doesn't even have one bone in its entire life is perhaps half a year, produces such sweet honey that can sweeten even the most bitter tea. We should learn from this bee a very important lesson. During life, when there are difficulties, when there are challenges, when sometimes we get stung, we should know that it's specifically through the sting that immense sweetness can come to the world. From the Tsar can flow rivers of Shefa, of Siata Dishmaya, of Bracha, of Toiva, of all that is good. As we learn, Kimeaz Yatsamosok, from the bitter will come the sweet. Bez Rashem Yisparach, may all of Klau Yisroel share Besuros Tavos, Yeshuas, Vnechamos, May all of the soggers, all the members of the Tzvahaganali Yisrael, be successful in all of their missions. May they all return home safe and sound. And may each and every one of the hostages be released immediately and return home safe and sound. This has been Rabbi David Goldwasser bringing you Morning Chizik. Have a nice day. They won't ask you where you wise like Solomon They won't ask you where you strong like Samson They'll ask just one question and you give just one answer It's the end of the game and only one thing matters They'll say, did you give it all you got? Cause in this life you only have what you got So give it, give it, give it all you got In this world we only have what we got So give it, give it, give it all you got If you say it's easy, I'll say it's not You gotta give it, give it, give it, give it all you got And if you say it's not for you, I'll say it's your lot You gotta give it, give it, give it, give it all you got And if you say you're tired, I'll say tick-tock You gotta give it, give it, give it, give it all you got And you could put my album on a shelf to write just Give it, give it, give it, give it all you got those tears you look in the mirror you face all your fears don't be a fool trying to be wise like solomon only the weak try to be strong like samson oh no oh no i did what i said i got no one to blame only one thing matters at the end of the game they'll say did you give it all you got cause in this life you only have what you got so give it Give it, give it, give it all you got.
say it's easy, I'll say it's not. You gotta give it, give it, give it, give it all you got. And if you say it's not for you, I'll say it's your lot. You gotta give it, give it, give it, give it all you got. And if you say you're tired, I'll say tick tock. You gotta give it, give it, give it, give it all you got. And you could put my album on a shelf to write just. Give it, give it, give it, give it all you got.
J.M. in the A.M. with uh, Eight Rakod done by Yaakov Shweki. Before that, Eighth Day. We're in Israel. We're at Nefesh Ben Nefesh. And um, oh, okay. Thank you. Simon just asked me who we're expecting. So this is somebody representing. Uh, um. This is someone representing, say it one more time, Kesher Yehudi. Kesher Yehudi setting up Torah study between people who all of a sudden want to know more about their tradition and heritage. So we will speak with them either this hour or next hour, depending on how things work out. JMNAM, good morning, everybody. Thanks for joining us. A big shout-out to our friends at A&H. You know, one of the things we discovered here in Israel, this would be an even better country if they had A&H hot dogs. That's what I discovered. Israel is perfect. There's one tiny, tiny, tiny flaw. One tiny, tiny flaw. <laughs> and that is they, they desperately need some delicious A&H hot dogs and knockwurst. Uh, those of us back in the U.S., we have access to A&H hot dogs and knockwurst. You know what? You can go to a kosher store. You'll find them. You can go to a, a lot of major supermarkets and Costco-type stores, and you'll find them there. And, of course, you can go to kosherdogs.net. Make sure to use your 10% discount with the promo code radio. Again, get your 10% discount, promo code radio. Try A&H today. You'll be glad you did. And, uh, you know, not that I'm suggesting anybody bring anything from the U.S. to Israel, but if you do bring a couple of uh, packages of the A&H knockers, you will be a local hero. That, I can tell you. Tzviyach has Kelly, who is Israel's authority on the Arab world. One hour from now here at JMNAM. We actually played that interview earlier. He's going to join us again. We're going to replay that interview toward the end of the 8 o'clock hour. Tzviyaches Kelly, the expert journalist regarding the Arab world. I had the opportunity finally to speak with him last night. Big thank you to those responsible for that interview, and I say thank you to them, and I thank him for finally agreeing. It was just uh, a wonderful conversation. By the way, listener Sina has uh, tossed in a couple of birthday wishes recently. I apologize that I did not get um, to this earlier in the week. Happy, happy birthday to my grandson, Aaron Yeshai, Aaron Yeshai, a gifter of Staten Island. Shai, it was wonderful seeing you over Hanukkah. I really appreciate your weekly good Shabbos calls, even though I can't always pick up. Keep steiging, and thank you for the nachas. Believe me, it's a lot. Which Much love from Bubs. And um, the other one that she sent was... Um, oh... She sent a reminder that it was birthday number 21. What did she say in the original one? She sent a reminder that it was birthday number 21. Um, So there you go. Happy birthday number 21 to Aaron Yeshaya Gifter of Staten Island. And listener Sina, who's down in the uh, Sunshine State, we say hi to you from the Holy Land here at JM in the AM. Um, One of the ways that... uh, one of the ways that the soldiers are being fed is uh, through beef jerky. We will check in with one of the beef jerky outfits coming up here at JM in the AM. That should be an interesting conversation. And uh, plenty more, of course, happening here on a Tuesday broadcast. Those of you who haven't yet given to your... um, Those of you who have not yet given to our to the year-end portion of our 40th anniversary fundraiser, please give and give generously. Go to fjbunity.org. Again, fjbunity.org. 
and um, be as generous as possible. And uh, Steve Adelsberg is going to join us Thursday with a couple of words about why it's so important to support the cause. Simon is invited back if he wants to toss in a few words about uh, our end-of-year portion of our campaign. Simon will be back, Bezrat Hashem, on Thursday as well. And who else said they were stopping by Thursday? There's another... Uh, can't remember. But it'll come to me eventually, that I can guarantee you. Tamar Fry is with us in studio, I should say in temporary studio here at Nefesh Benefesh in Jerusalem. Tamar Fry is the Director of External Relations for Kesher Yehudi. Just move that mic a drop closer to you. And Tamar Fry, I say welcome to JM in the AM. Thank you. Nice to have you here. So the war breaks out on the Shemini Atzeres Simchas Torah, October 7th on the secular calendar. And until the war began, your organization has had, and you'll explain in a moment, I'll turn things over to you in a moment, your war has had a, uh, an impact on religious life for not-so-religious people in this country. And then the war starts, and all of a sudden, the phone is ringing off the hook as the expression goes. I know it's different these days, texts and social media and everything else, but a lot of people are trying to get a hold of Kesher UD. Explain what the organization has done till now and explain what's happened since October 7th. Uh, since uh, 2012, we've been making chavrutot uh, between secular and uh, Haredi Israelis. Uh, the idea is to create close, ongoing relationships between the two sectors. And uh, it's surround, around Jewish subjects, mostly. Uh, we've had a few, uh, thousands of Havrutot, but it's been uh, on a lower flame. Right. Since the 11 beginning. years of steady progress. Exactly. Right. There you it's go. been growing <laughs> steadily, but not uh, no big booms. Right. And since the war, it's been uh, the big boom. And what do people say to you? Those who don't have much of a, of a ritual background, let's put it that way, those who don't have much of a background, what are they saying? Why are they reaching out to you at this time? Uh, both sides are very interested. Uh, the secular people feel... Like it's time to get to know their Jewish identity. Why are they Jewish? Why do they live in this country? What are we fighting for? Why did? Why does everybody hate us, etc.? Wow. And the uh, Haredi Jews feel like they want to take part. They want to help. They want to be helpful. They want to support and give whatever they can give to to their brothers. So Jewish unity is not just Chesed. And not just inviting someone for a Shabbos meal. Jewish unity can be done through Torah study as well. Absolutely, absolutely. And Jewish unity is is not a slogan. It's not we don't say we do unity. We actually do it. You get to know somebody from close. You care for them. Right. You want to help them. You want to be with them. You you go through a process with them, and you you can't hate the other side anymore once you get to know somebody in person. Tamar Fry is with us, Director of External Relations for Kesher Yehudi. Before we continue, how do people get in touch with Kesher Yehudi? Uh, very easily online, uh, www.kesheryehudi.com. Simple as that. 
And yeah. people who want to be what we call a mentor, someone who comes in with an education, or somebody who wants to be you know, inspired by more education, either one can get in touch with you in order to join the program. Yes, absolutely. More women or more men have been calling you, or is it basically even? Uh, the regular Chavruta has been more ladies up to now. Now there's many, many more men joining as wow. well. Interesting. And uh, we have another b- very big program, which is the Mechina program, which is uh, a pre-army preparatory program for secular high school kids. And uh, we've joined with them to, to give every student a Chavruta. In that program, we have 30 Mechinot involved this year, over 30. And uh, there, the number is equal because there's every student, every male student gets a male chavota, every uh, right. female gets female, and then the numbers are equal. And uh, what about ages? Are you seeing people in their 20s and people in their 80s? Or uh, are, are there other ages that are dominating the requests? Uh, the regular chavotot program has slightly older chavotot, meaning above 30, more right. or less, up to 80. And the Mechina program is uh, younger. The, right. the Mechina students are 18 to 19, and the Chavrutot are slightly older because we take married uh, young couples. Give me the, the combination, the Chavruta, uh, that uh, stands out to you. What's, what's been an unusual match? What's been something where you, know, you take extra pride in? Is there one like that? Oh, we have uh, loads and loads of very, very Interesting emotion- stories? Yes. <laughs> Uh, we have stories of people from very extreme backgrounds who became very close friends. And uh, uh, let me think of an example. And, uh, they, and obviously they changed each other's lives. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes, by all means. Both sides. Yeah, they know, participate yeah. in each other's smachot. And yes, yes, yes. This yes. is how this works. Yes, yes. All yes. because you've introduced them to Torah study. That's how it works. Uh, but I'm sure you've also met, in all seriousness, you've probably met secular Jews who, you know, did not have much of a positive attitude, but were thinking of exploring, and then they became, you know, real fans of our tradition. Let's put it that way. Yes. Every student who walks into the Chavruta program, more or less, the only knowledge they had of uh, Haredi people is what they heard right. the media. on the media, right. which is usually not very positive. Right. And... Uh, Every one of them changes their, the way they look at the Jewish world in one meeting. And we, every, every meeting ends with, I can't believe it. I've, I've always been told such uh, terrible things about all of you and everything is so different. It's not what they pictured me. And uh, yes, people change their attitude very, very quickly. Yeah, I can imagine. No question about that. Uh, the website, by the way, has a dash in it. So go to kesher-yehudi.com. That's kesher-yehudi, Y-E-H-U-D-I.com, kesher-yehudi.com. And you'll be all set if you want to participate as a chavruta uh, and uh, join in. And I, I hope that people continue to uh, express an interest in, in learning with others. Are they... Uh even on the Haredi side, it's not stopping. You get plenty of people who want to. No, do it. no, no, no. Baruch Hashem, no stop on either side. We've tripled the amount of chavutot since uh, Simchat Torah. And I'm assuming it's all happening by phone, right? All the M- uh, Most of them. Some of them meet on Zoom, WhatsApp, right. and we always try to match them uh, in 
geographically close, close enough they can meet every so often. We even give a bonus uh, um, to people who want to go out together for coffee or a short meal. <laughs> and so they, it makes them meet. Because Torah study is one thing, but get together <laughs> over coffee, and boy, are you to be united. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We've uh, got loads of going out, and uh, it works very well. And once they meet, they, they get even closer. All right. All right. One of the benefits of this war, the war is terrible. Yes. And every day, everyone's thinking of hostages, and everyone's thinking of fallen soldiers. And it's hard. It's, it's a stressful environment here. But there are some positive aspects of this war. And what you just described has to be one of the positive aspects. Yes. Baruch Hashem. Baruch Hashem. Tamar Fry, Kesher Yehudi. Here's the information. Go to kesher-yehudi.com, kesher-y-e-h-u-d-i.com. And if you know somebody in Israel who wants to hop on the uh, hop on the train, so to speak, of Kesher Yehudi, let them know about this. They'll have an opportunity to study with somebody who is thirsting to know more about our tradition and heritage. Tamar, anything else you'd like to add? We would love to see as many of you joining us. Yeah. I mean, the truth uh, is, you could include, in all seriousness, if people are English speakers, you could include people from outside of Israel as well, but they just wouldn't be able to get together for coffee that often. But but there are people listening right now who have friends and family in Israel who would be interested in participating, that's for sure. Yeah, for all our... Brothers uh, from abroad, you, they're all very welcome to take yeah. part and support uh, financially. There's always need. And there's a donate button on the website, I would yes. assume. Yes, absolutely. Support the work of Kesher Yehudi. Don't just become a uh, a participant, a chavruta. Support the work of Kesher Yehudi by going to kesher-yehudi.com. Kesher-UD.com. Kalakavod, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. A pleasure. More coming up. You're listening to a Tuesday morning edition of JM and AM as we continue, everybody, with this selection from Eitan Gedalia.
של ענווה, רגע של הפנמה, רגע בלי הכחשה, רגע של הוויה, רגע של הקשבה, רגע של הקרבה, רגע בלי מחשבה. Shlomo Katz, Rega Shal Anava is the name of that selection here at JM in the AM. I mean, Rega Shal Ahava, excuse the typo in our playlist. Uh, before that, Re'e done by Eitan Gedalia and company. It's a brand new selection. And this is America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSiegel.com and the NachumSiegel Network and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Well... Chaim Ruttenberg is with us live via telephone, apparently one of the best ways to feed our soldiers, and this is no surprise, we've known this since the beginning of the war, one of the best ways to feed our soldiers is by beefing them up with some delicious beef jerky. And there is a, there is a website, um, beefupourboys.com, beefupourboys.com. Chaim Ruttenberg, welcome to JM in the AM. Hello, hello. Nice to speak. Can you hear me clearly? I'm calling from Beit Shemesh. Yeah, we hear you pretty clearly. I mean, we're in Yerushalayim. You know how it is these days. There's always room for improved phone reception, but you sound all right. Tell me what's happening in Beit Shemesh with Beef Up Our Boys. If I could first start, if I could call you Rabbi Nachum, because when I was in Yeshiva Spring Valley... I used to go to the nurse, this is in the late 80s, early 90s, and she would only see me and talk to me between your commercial breaks. Oh, gosh. <laughs> and she allowed me to stay in her office. I think I went three, four times a week for 20 minutes or so. <laughs> and you are a major force and personality in my life, and thank you so much. Oh, I appreciate that very much. I traveled thousands of miles to hear that compliment, and it was well worth it. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Tell me about Beef Up Our Boys. So Beef Up Our Boys started about five, ten days into the war. My nephew and his wife were by us for, Bezor Hashem, it should be known for eternity as a Simchas Torah. And we, uh, we spoke to him about two weeks later, and he said he was, he was hungry, he was starving, he was lost a bunch of weight. My, my son, Baruch Hashem, eats a low-carb diet, and my wife always got beef jerky for him to go on these beautiful trips, in British camp in Muncie, and 
it was a no-brainer food. We couldn't source it locally. So we reached out to a bunch of vendors, specifically Butcher's Cut and Smorgasbord, and they, within a few days, made thousands. We got to him, we got to his friends, ended up getting to some very advanced units in the north, Golani and whatnot, that were going already into Gaza. And the, they commanded us. They said, get us as many thousands of thousands, as many as you can. This is exactly the one ingredient that we need. Is it still like that today? Is the need for beef jerky as strong as ever now during the war? So I would, I would say opportunity, if I may, because uh, Bar Hashem, Hashem gives us the muzzle we need. And right now, our opportunity is to give flesh, is to give meat, is to give high-quality protein that replaces protein bars, that replaces... It's like, imagine if you're in a tank... You're going on extreme adventure, Jewish adventure in Malaya, wherever it might be. You want to take a quality package of beef jerky with you, 150 grams, six ounces of meat that lasts for weeks. And even after you open it, it lasts for days. And it's, it's pure meat. And oh, oh and don't, don't worry. Don't worry, Chaim. You don't have to sell me on that. I can tell you that much. Don't worry at all. By the way, do you need a special meat to make beef jerky? Like the quality of meat matters or the type of meat matters? Or really, you can make beef jerky out of any type of kosher meat. So I'm sure there's many ways of making beef jerky. And we're actually with seven, eight senders. If you like, I can mention them. Butcher's Cut, Smorgasbord, Yaakov Lazarus, oh, from South Africa. Nice. From Yaley's, Yaley's beef jerky is amazing. We've been giving it out to hundreds of Zaka guys. It actually tastes like chillins. It's unbelievable. Well, by the way, and no joking, some of the ones you just mentioned we've had, and they're remarkable. So you're with really good company. <laughs> And Meat and Board, which have been amazing right. from day one. Relatives of ours. Joburg, right. Which is a new business. Hashem should bless them. Right. Bisra Meats is another new business. Yeah, Bisra's and great. of course, we got to mention Kosher Catch from Massachusetts, who's giving us wonderful salmon jerky. Oh. So something for everyone. For those who are not meat eaters, it seems you have that covered as well. All right, look, but you know, you know, the, we know the bottom line. Uh, Chaim Ruttenberg is with us. Beef up our boys. We know the bottom line. The bottom line is that the more the more you have in terms of funding, the more you're able to do for our soldiers, right? That's what it comes down to. Baruch Hashem. And it's, it's like I would say, like you said before, what type of meat? So the Bavitcher Rebbe is very big. You do a mitzvah, you go all out. And Hashem has really given us Amazing beef jerky. These soldiers, we're not just giving them the food they want. They love it. They smile. They come back telling us how much we help them. And if I could read to you sure. a message from a parent. And sure. I don't know, are you the same person as Nate Siegel from uh, NCSY or that's somebody else? No, that, that would be a brother of mine who's many, many, many years older than me. So this is from a doctor from Cincinnati, actually, who moved to Renana. They have two sons and a son-in-law in Gaza right now. Yeah. And I'll read you quickly what she wrote. Go ahead. The leaders and volunteers who work, who work tirelessly for Beef Up Our Boys, thank you so, so much for all the protein you provide for so many soldiers who are risking their lives to find hostages and eliminate Hamas operatives with maximum in Gaza. My son is an Egos unit and has been looking for hostages and fighting terrorists in Gaza since October 7th. My son was in a tank unit and has also been in Gaza since October 7th. Access to nutritious food is very difficult. The beef jerky gives them the strength to fight in Muhammad HaKadosh so that Israel will have a safer and better future. The bags come decorated with notes that brighten their hard work in places and cities that are very difficult and dangerous to access. 
May Hashem bless you for all you are doing. I really think that when Hashem sees all the unconditional love that you are doing to help combat soldiers, Hashem will bless and help us all during these difficult times. I don't know why on earth you're wasting your time talking to me. You should have gotten on the air and just read that letter, frankly. Uh, pretty amazing. And boy, does that sum it up. All right, the easiest way for people to support your work, Chaim Rottenberg, what would you tell us? The number one first thing is, first of all, I got to say this, beefuparboys.com, sponsor it, one package, a hundred packages, it doesn't right. matter. We're mommies feeding people in the field. This is, everyone's an honey when it comes to lack of access to food in an extreme place. And we're literally feeling that. That's, true. that's a good point. And that's the number one thing. And the bigger thing, which I just have to say, is be like Reb Nachum Siegel. Devote your life to Chesed. I'm doing this for two months and going back to my regular work. I hope, it's, I hope I'm able to do Chesed in the future. There's people like you, people like Tomei Shabbos and Muncie, people like Jeff Eisenberg, Brian Nibs, Brian Delvitt. These are just people that I've been associated with, this woman Esther Sherman and Mikey Smith and Moyo of Lawrence, they just nonstop chesed machines. And do chesed. This is an opportunity for us to learn new habits for our future. And of course, beef up our boys right now, every dollar that comes in goes into the field. Literally, we have army units coming, calling us up around the clock. They come out for a few minutes. They have windows of opportunity sometimes once in three, four weeks to get to the guys. How many packages of beef jerky are we giving? And this is not inexpensive. It's not about cost. Here it's about value. How much is a high-quality, top-kosher piece of brisket steak or whatever we're getting into them? Is that worth in a tanking gaz in an extreme situation? And it's, it's just a fuss. We did over 35,000 packages. And just to think about just one. Just one package, one soldier saying, you saved my life, you gave me the energy I needed. Or even forget that, you gave me the fuel to do my Muhammad HaKadosh. It's, it's, a, it's a dream. It's literally a, a huge opportunity for myself and anyone to, to sponsor. Sponsor one, sponsor ten. Put in a recurring thing now, I could borrow Hashem do a plugah. That's $4,000 or so a week. We want to give times two. Let's do that for eight, ten weeks. Let the viewers know they have it. Let them know they could rely on us. And Baruch Hashem, we've done so much, and we look forward to. We're, we're part of Am Yisrael that's doing so much. For those of, for, is, for those of you who think Chaim Ruttenberg is enthusiastic and passionate about beef jerky, the reality is he's enthusiastic and passionate about helping our amazing soldiers. Beefupourboys.com sponsor the beef jerky operation. That comes out of Beit Shemesh and is helping soldiers everywhere, north and south. Again, beefupourboys.com. Be as generous as possible. Chaim Rottenberg, regards to everybody. Continue your amazing work on behalf of our soldiers. Thank you. Hashem bless you, too. Thank you. Thank you so much. By the way, I wanted to give a shout-out to Kenny and Michelle Miller. Uh, when they donated, and boy, did they give a generous donation, their 30 times high became uh, 60 times high, and I thank them so much. Uh, they said this was in honor of our uh, uh, fundraiser, and thanks to everybody who's giving at fjbunity.org. They wrote, how can we not celebrate 40 years in the most appropriate way? 40 years of song, 40 years of news, 40 years of chesed organizations, 40 years of inspiration in Torah, 40 years of presenting Klai Yisrael with what's important, vital, and the emes, and how to make it part of our lives. We salute Nachum, his loyal staff, his family, many supporters for all they do for Klai Yisrael. And the reason we mention this now is because Kenny and Michelle um, volunteered 
for Beef Up Our Boys and made us aware a few weeks ago about the incredible efforts of Beef Up Our Boys, Cole Hakavod. More coming up. It is... Um, Thank you. David Levy and others, including listener Tikva, have reminded us that it's not day 80 of the war. We're unfortunately up to day 81 of the current war. More coming up. You're listening to a Tuesday morning edition of JM in the AM. Sometimes when you're feeling all alone, you need some happiness to call your own. Oh, nothing is going the way it should You're trying to do the best you could Lift up your eyes to the sky Your life's in His hands Trust in Him and He will reply Guiding all your steps always at your side you are his joy and pride and don't you know you're never alone it doesn't matter where you are there's nothing in his eyes more special than
with Anachnu uh, Ma'aminim and Misha Ma'amin. Shmuley Schneider before that with the cover of the great album Freed Selection, You're Never Alone. Both great pieces for what the Jewish people are enduring right now. Tuesday morning broadcast, JM and the AM. Thanks for joining us. My thanks to Mayor Furtick for sitting in yesterday. He's back tomorrow. Mayor Furtick sits in for me tomorrow. Thursday, we are back here. Steve Adelsberg is scheduled to join us. Simon's going to join us. Oh, and on Thursday, um, it is very possible. I didn't discuss this with you yet, meaning Yigal. It is very possible we're going to have a member, a, a, a legendary member of the Boston Red Sox joining us who happens to be Jewish. By, by what do you call it? By uh, phone, not live in studio. Tell you about it later on. Trust me, I wasn't thrilled with the fact that it's a Red Sox, but... But trust me, we're dealing with that. That's correct. It's God's work. We have to feature the good people, even if they have misplaced loyalties when it comes to sports. <laughs> Eliana Mandel Bronner has been with us before. She is the director of the Kobe Mandel Foundation and is with us at our temporary Nefesh Benefesh studios. It is a pleasure to welcome you back to JM in the AM. It's a pleasure to be here. We've spoken. We've spoken by phone before. I always feel that the families that listen to this show feel intertwined with your family. I always feel that way. And you probably get that from all around the world. Because there's a certain age group of people, I don't know, 20 to 60, figure it out, you know, whatever numbers you want to use, for whom your family's tragedy was so personal to them and meant so much. And just the whole circumstance of Kobe's uh, murder, excuse me, but that's what it was, and his friend that day, and you'll excuse me, but we go back to what year? To what year was that Lagba Omer? That was 2001. 2001. So it's 22 years later. 22 years later. And am I right that you get the feeling that families around the world feel a true kinship to your family? Yes. Whenever I say I'm Eliana Mandel, they ask me, oh, the Kobe Mandel Foundation? Oh, are you Kobe's sister? It's immediate. And you were how old? I'm sorry for asking this, but <laughs> <laughs> how old were you at, his, at the time that this happened? I was 10 year old, years old when Kobe was murdered. 10 years old. And uh, he was your... Older sibling. He was the oldest. He was the oldest child in the family. And, I mean, we could go back, and, but I think we have with your mother about what those days were like, and she was so poignant in pointing out what, what all those activities were like. Uh, and she really became a leader. She became a leader in the area of trying to cope with grief. And, you know, losing a child in this brutal way makes it, I'm sure, even more difficult, so we really need someone with her expertise in that area. For those of you who don't know, again, we're talking about the murder of Kobe Mandel, in 2001, in a terrible terror attack, which led to the uh, formation of the Kobe Mandel Foundation. Um, you're still in Tacoa, meaning you're a married woman now, and you're in the same neighborhood. 
I'm married. I have four children, and we moved back to Tacoa. Yeah. And are other of your siblings married siblings in Tacoa as well, or in the area? No, I'm the only one. Interesting. And um, and and not only did everybody feel a kinship to your family, I would say people fed, felt a kinship to Tacoa because for many, they had never heard of Tacoa until this happened to Kobe. Yep, <laughs> the murder definitely put Tacoa on the map. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> and today, you tell us off the air, you told us that Tacoa. 22 years later is what one may consider a major city at this point, right? Sokoa right now is the largest um, community in Gush Etzion. It's larger than Efrat? Yeah, no, Efrat is, is separate from Gush Etzion. Oh, right. <laughs> but it's, the there are block. over a thousand families. Wow. Yeah. Unbelievable. Anyway, so the foundation is founded. You're still a kid when it's founded, right? And your parents did a remarkable job to get it off the ground. And the purpose is to help victims of terror and their families, right? Yep, exactly. Unfortunately, in the last 22 years, you guys have had a lot of business. You know that. We have had so much business. It's terrible. But never something like this. Right. I mean, I can only imagine what's, what's happening in your offices now. And, and we should mention that you have special programming, including the summer camp. I'm, I'm trying to think of the stuff that's really well known to American Jews. The summer camp's a very high-profile thing. Uh, I can only imagine how those kids benefit from being in the same arena for a few weeks as other as other victims' siblings, right? That's essentially what it is. Yeah, it's exactly that. It's putting them together with kids who've gone through the exact same thing or something very similar to what they've gone through and forming a community of children who've, of bereaved children who've, who support each other and help each other and empower each other and are able to share their stories with each other. And boy, are you able to relate to this in a way that your parents can't relate to it. Your parents were not a sibling to him. You were. And it's different. All this grief is different depending on what the relationship was, right? Yeah. Any, every, any position you have inside the family, yeah. you experience it differently. So every person experienced grief differently and, and losing their loved one differently. Um, I have the opportunity to see mothers and fathers and sisters and brothers and widows and widowers all deal with their grief differently. Um, a few years ago, my family sat down and spoke about how we dealt with it during the, few, the, the first years. Right. And we realized that each one of us dealt with it so differently. And the people we are today, because of Kobe's murder, it really built us into different people than what we would have been. Yeah. And because of the Kobe Mandel Foundation, I can, talk, I can talk about myself, that the Kobe Mandel Foundation inspired me and empowered me to be a better person. Wow. Um, Eliana Mandel Bronner is with us, director of the Kobe Mandel Foundation. And your mother had a unique way, and I'm sure your father as well, we just didn't speak with him as often, had a unique way to communicate all this to people. And I guess you have to deal with other people like her who have this unique way of transmitting all this information to people. You need real experts when it comes to, to grief and the grieving process, right? So now with the war, we feel like we've entered a new, t new territory. Right. Kobe's story used to be one of the worst stories have, that have ever been happened in Israel. It used to two, two 13 year olds who were brutally murdered by, by stones. They were, they were, and, and now we're not even the first thousand. So we're all in shock. Um, and so we're all trying so to Barrow deal with it. Has taken a, a drop on the list. Yeah. One of the biggest terror attacks <laughs> in Israel's history. And now nothing compared. I mean, you know what I mean by that? Yeah. Nothing compared to what happened October 7th. Exactly. And October 7th has, has thrown us all for a curve and we're all in shock and we're still in the middle of a war. So for every program, we we are starting programming for, for the new families from October 7th and onward. And we have all of our, we have my mother sitting in on meetings. We have um, ther our therapist sitting in on meetings and we were 
we're polling the new families and asking them, how can we help? What do you need right now? What is the best way that the Kobe Mandel Foundation can be in service of you? What did Kobe have? He had an Orioles hat on, right? No, a Yankees hat. It was a Yankee hat? Yeah. Why did I think it was Orioles? <laughs> he was a good Yankee fan, Baruch Hashem. Um... I don't know why I thought there was a Baltimore connection. There isn't, right? Well, because we, we lived in Maryland. Oh, My father so I was am a... right. So that's why, that's why I thought. <laughs> but I remember him in the baseball cap and that picture that, of course, in those days, what we would call went viral today. It would be, you know, it would be everywhere in seconds. But even then, it went around the world and people, you know, remember him, uh, uh, you know, with that image. Um, so the work is obviously going to be <laughs> a lot more difficult now and a lot more immediate. By the way, was there a period of time when Kobe was missing? Was there a period of time, a day or two? It was a day, it? yeah. Because I, I, I say to myself that in a way, and again, we can't compare, but in a way, it, for a drop, you can understand what the hostage families are going through. Again, you can't really compare, but the fact that they, their family member is missing yeah, the you know, search. You don't know where they're right. The search. You don't know where they are. That's also a component. It's interesting. In this one episode, you really had a lot of what people are going through on a much bigger scale. You know, with this whole thing. Yeah, I feel like, like, in a way, Kobe's death has prepared us, prepared us for yeah. dealing with everything that's happening right now, yeah. in like a micro, micro minute. Are the events still going on? Because comedy for Kobe is a big one. Did that happen this past summer? When did it happen last? It happened on Sukkot, the on last Sukkot. one, and we're having one in January. Oh, so you're doing yes, it. Yes, we are doing it. We need the support right now. And you know what? Our soldiers are fighting right now so that we are able to live our life and be happy. And the Kobe Mandel Foundation, our job is just getting bigger. So we need the support of comedy for Kobe. Now, have you announced the lineup yet? And have you announced the date yet? Yes, we have. And when is this? So, <laughs> is it during the yeshiva break when people are around here from the United States or not? I don't know when yeshiva break well, is. Last week in January, basically. Yeah, it's from the fifteenth, sixteenth till oh. and for five days. Oh, so there will be people in from out of town. Um, and have you put together a lineup already? Yes, we have. Top comedians. Top comedians Some from the United States or not? They're all from the United oh, States, and they're nice. coming here in support of Israel. Some of them have already been here for comedy for Kobe in the past, and right. they wanted to come back to support, to support, and to and to be here for for the nation of Israel is and for this, the Kobe uh, Mandel Foundation. Is all this on the website? It's all on the website. Okay, and it's not old Jerusalem, right? No, it's in Jerusalem, Tel Aviv, Ranana, um, Gush Etzion, and Bechemish. Nice, five consecutive nights. Yep, exactly. Very cool, um, and people can. Donate even if they're not coming to the event. Yes, <laughs> People they can, can help keep the foundation going even if they're not coming to the event. Can I assume Kobe Mandel Foundation.com or .org? Yes, .org. Kobe Mandel Foundation.org. Kobe Mandel Foundation.org. Um, it, it's remarkable to think what kind of task you have ahead. Um, do you have to expand your staff? Do you have to expand the volunteer effort? Like, what are you thinking of as all this is happening in real time? So we are we are doubling our staff, and we are doubling all of our activities. We are starting a new um, branch just for the war. All the activities that we've already done, that we've been prepared doing for the past twenty years, have prepared us for this. So we are not only continuing what we've already been, what we're already doing. We are also expanding just specifically for the war and for the people who have been hurt on October seventh and onwards. Are there uh, other camp type programs that go on during the year? I don't know, seminars, get-togethers, uh, support groups, things like that. I mean, uh, uh, what's happened so far with that? You can, you know. 
model after. So yes to all the above. We had, had them all. Yeah, we had a we we just had a Hanukkah day on Hanukkah. We were supposed to have a three day camp, um, but because of the war, we couldn't do that. So we had a Hanukkah camp and Hanukkah day, and we brought all the families um, to Petah Tikva. We had over five hundred people come, and we had it. This is from our our previous families, our families who've already are already in the Kobe Mandel They're Foundation. That many, huh? Oh yeah. We have we have a thousand families signed up to the Kobe Mandel Foundation who actually part- part- partake in programs. Um and every one of their families has been victimized. Yes. Um and what we do is we had in the we had um, we separated the group, the age group. So we had something for the fathers, we had something for the widowers, we had something for the widows, for the bereaved mothers, separately, but all in the same place for the kids in in our at our campsite. So the kids felt like they were coming to camp, even if it was just for one day, um, and it was really beautiful. We have uh, support. We're starting right now. We're starting. We have already support groups for the bereaved mothers and and, and widows, but we're starting new ones um, for bereaved mothers and widows uh, from the war. Um, and we are doing, we're starting, we're in February, we are starting 10 retreats. So every week there's going to be a retreat, a two day retreat in Ishi, um, courtesy of the Mendelovich family. Um, and they, and once a week, we're going to have 20 to 50 women, men, families come to Ishi for a one or two day retreat. Um, just to relax and heal and give themselves time to breathe. What does it cost to put together an event like that? So that is, it's $10,000 for, for, for a day. Not the craziest thing for a family to sponsor. No, not at all. Boy, I'll tell you, the, the work you have ahead is just unbelievable. Um, in general, are you getting good support from the United States? I don't know how this works. I know that in general organizations in Israel do enjoy a little bit of support from the government or not? How does that work? So we don't get uh, help from the government Nothing. in Israel. Not right now. Um, hopefully we're going to start getting more support. Um, but we've been getting a lot of support from our supporters in the United States um, and from the federations as well. Um, it's funny that they all know about this organization. And in Israel, it's possible that you're just not getting as much support as you are from out of the country. So in Israel, people unless they've been through it, unless they're bereaved, they don't really know about us that right. much. In America, my parents put a lot of effort in go- making sure that Kobe's name was known all over the world, and in America especially. And in Israel, they're Americans, so in Israel it didn't happen as much. The English-speaking crowd really was their crowd with yes. this whole effort, to say the least. Yes, in Israel and in America. Yeah, no question about it. All right, Anglos, we're doing a good job, but we got to do a better <laughs> job. <laughs> uh, you got to go to KobeMandelFoundation.org. KobeMandel.org. KobeMandel.org. M-A-N-D-E-L? Mm-hmm. Kobe, K-O-B-Y? K-O-B-Y-M-A-N-D-E-L-L.org. Oh, so there's two L's. Two L's, Yes. Got to get this straight. God, <laughs> God forbid there's somebody out there right now who wants to donate a good sum of money or any sum of money, and they don't find the website. Although these days, you can probably just search your brother's name yeah. and come up with it in a second. Kobe, K-O-B-Y, Mandel, M-A-N-D-E-L-L.org. Go to the website. Be as generous as possible. It's the end of the year. I hope this is a big week for you guys. I hope. So do we. Because <laughs> this is the end of the year. A lot of people want to uh, give charitable donations. Again, KobeMandel.org. I won't, keep, I won't uh, stop saying it until I'm convinced everyone has heard it and is ready to put it into their browser, K-O-B-Y-M-A-N-D-E-L-L.org, and, um, and participate, donate, and allow the Kobe Mandel Foundation to continue to do their amazing work. It is such a, it's a, obviously it's a terrible shame, and at the same time what it says about the sacrifice of the Jewish people that this group of terror victims has grown to the point that it has, even before the war, 
But uh, the fact is, this is you know this is this is part of the destiny of the Jewish people. It seems um, as uh, as hopeful and as um, uh, and as uh, uh, not altruist, idealistic, as hopeful and as idealistic as one who grew up in Tekoa is, and you have to be. Oh, you have right? to. Be. You have to be idealistic. <laughs> if you're up in Tekoa. There's also a reality, and that reality, of course, you know, hit your family very hard, and it's hitting too many families so hard, unfortunately. And um, everybody who, if you can help out the Kobe Mandel Foundation, do it. KobeMandel.org. Um, do you always plan a January event? Is it usually summer? And, and yeah, we have oh, summer and winter and, and Sukkot. Oh, so you do that as well. Okay. Yeah, and we were thinking about canceling, but we said, like, this is what, it. yeah, we can't afford it. Not only can we can't afford it, but people want to laugh. People were asking right. us. They need, they need, they're living here in this. We're all at a war. We're all going through trauma. So we all need to laugh and we all need to let loose. I think there were a couple of weeks after the war started where people felt it was inappropriate. And now we're at the stage that you just described where people half the day can be immersed in this terrible news uh, of everything that we've discussed on this show that's going on here. And the other half of the day can go about with life and laugh when appropriate. And when you're at a comedy show, it's appropriate to laugh. So It is. And you know what? That's what we got to do. Right. We have to be able to live in the sorrow and, and accept the sorrow, but also bring in a light. All right. Give me one thing. Give me one thing that a younger sister remembers about Kobe. Because we've never, we've spoken to your parents and we always, you know, think, you know, we think of a, of a kid, but we never think of that perspective that he left younger siblings. Give me one thing you remember that just symbolizes his life vis-a-vis you in the family. So usually I say he was just my brother and you know what we fought and we, and we loved and it was, but he was my brother. Um, But recently I took my kids to a movie um, and we went up the escalator and my, my youngest son was afraid to go up the escalator. So I gave him his hand and I told him this story that when we were, when I was five years old, we were in the mall and um, my whole family went up the escalator and I was afraid to go up. So I was left there on the bottom of the escalator while the, my whole family was going up and I was standing there crying and my mother sent Kobe down to get me. And I remember him looking at me and saying, okay, Eliana, we're going to do this together. And he gave me his hand and he said, one, two, three. And we walked up the escalator together. And he's still saying, Eliana, we're going to do this together. I, I, I talk to him all the time and say, all right, I need your help. When this happened, I was like, I need your help because we're doubling and I need your help. And this is in your name. So you, you better step up. Amazing. I'm so glad you mentioned that. Kolakavo to you. Thank you, Eliana Mandel uh, Bronner, director of the Kobe Mandel Foundation. You know you always have an open invitation to this radio program. Thank and you best so much. regards, of course, to your parents and everybody. I'll tell them. Thank you so much. KobeMandel.org, K-O-B-Y-M-A-N-D-E-L-L.org. Give and give generously. You know what, folks? It's the last week of the year. A lot of people like to give during the last week of the year. So be one of those uh, that gives and gives generously to the Kobe Mandel Foundation. More coming up at JM in the AM.
minutes away from Tzvi Kelly. We're going to replay that interview. It's my conversation with him from last night. Yigal Siegel, of course, is with us. Thanks to Mayor Fertig for uh, sitting in yesterday and sitting in tomorrow. We're back Thursday. Full panel, begging everybody to uh, give to our campaign before the end of the year. FJBUnity.org. FJBUnity.org. Yes, uh, Rabbi Siegel. No, I just... Uh... Oh, there you go. <laughs> I just wanted to react to, uh, first of all, Chaim Ruttenberg. Oh, beef, beef up the boys? I, I mean, it's unbelievable the type of chesed that's happening in the country in general, and specifically that is, is really something he's obviously extremely enthusiastic. Well, you've always had a soft spot for beef jerky. But what I appreciated, <laughs> what I appreciated was his comments about you and, you and his recognition of the fact that you've been doing this, giving opportunities for people to learn about chesed opportunities, and you've been doing this for 40 years, and then... You have Eliano on from the Man- Kobe Mandel Foundation. At the height of our campaign. <laughs> and you're pushing people. And I'm sitting here. The guy who's in charge of the campaign. I'm saying, he's pushing everyone to, I must say the name Kobe Mandel until people put it in their browser so they could give before the end of the year. I'm saying, does he remember that we're doing a campaign? So people, I have to, I have to just say that, that what you saw in the last hour was, was Nahum Siegel at his best. 
giving opportunities for people to get on the air, to ask for support for their organizations. And I can tell you that our organization <laughs> also needs funds to keep this going. You are, uh, it's unbelievable. I just, I, I, I'm always astounded by you, and you continue to astound me. <laughs> Thank you. So I'd like I to think ask. That, I think that's a compliment. <laughs> no, but I'm, I'm saying I'd like to ask people who, who understand what you do and understand the opportunities that you afford people. <clears throat> um, similar to the story you told me about the guy on the Gowanus Bridge who heard you interview someone 23 years ago. That was a shout-out to Zalman Indig, who started All for Israel, because when he was on the Gowanus, he heard me speak to Shimon Appesdorf in the year 2000 about what's going on the in Sabaros. Israel. Sabaros. Remember, right. Shimon came sure. here after the Sabaros uh, right. Bombing. Uh, terror attack, right. and uh, and he spoke about you know all the problems that were happening with people. Right. It was very, I remember it was a very powerful sure. interview. And because of that, there was other things that happened from that interview, if you remember. But that's just one interview in 40 years. And, and, and who knows? Who knows the feedback that you haven't gotten in terms of how you've impacted people? So I'm asking, as, as the person who is supposed to be in charge of this campaign, <laughs> fjbunity.org, I ask every listener who's listening to this to please give something. If every listener to Nahum Siegel who listens on a daily basis would make a contribution of, let's say, I don't know, $50, $100, whatever. And remember, it's being matched now. Right. It, it, it would be unbelievable. We would reach our goal. Yesterday, we would have reached our goal. Please understand that even though Nahum Siegel is extremely famous, he still needs his support. <laughs> He's a millionaire in my mind. There's no question about it because of all the schism he has. But we still need, you know, that's the way we, it yeah, is. We have an operation to run. We have an operation to run. With Baruch Hashem, you have a great staff. Avrami's are... coming up with a live lunch from Israel today at uh, seven at eleven a.m. Eastern time. Shout out to Avrami Finkelstein yeah. who works beyond the call of duty. That's correct. And I just uh, I, what happened in this last hour proves beyond a shadow of a doubt that the need to support Anachem Siegel. It's not just him interviewing people like Jonathan Pollard, and and it's it's the it's the day to day giving opportunities for people who are doing chesed whether it's wartime or not wartime, Nahum Siegel is the address to find out about these places. And he never says, he tries very hard not to say no. I mean, he's, he's only on for three hours a day, five days a week, so it's not like he has a lot of time. But I'm just saying that, it, please, please understand how important it is to support Nahum Siegel at FJB, fjbunity.org. Thank you for that opportunity. I will now be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> fjbunity.org. FJBUnity.org. Last night, I finally had the opportunity to speak to Atzviyachaz Kelly, the uh, expert in the state of Israel regarding the Arab mindset and uh, what is going through the collective Arab mind during a war like this one. Atzviyachaz Kelly, my guest, you're listening to JM in the AM. Atzviyachaz Kelly is with us. Why do you think we haven't had a hostage deal in the last couple of weeks? First, uh, I just went out from the studio, and Hamas and uh, Jihad Islam are rejecting the the Egyptian initiative. Whatever, they feel so in power, they feel that they uh, still can handle, and uh, they don't want. Why they they that they will go to to uh, a deal uh, if they feel that the world with us with them uh, that they have a supply. Uh, the European community uh, and, and in in the United States as well, people saying stop killing uh, Gaza children. 
why not? You know, Echas and Wally don't care for uh, Gaza children. Uh, we care more, right. <laughs> unfortunately. So uh, They have nothing to lose at this point. Exactly. So why he would say yes? This is, a, this is the negotiation. This is the bazaar of the Middle East. You know, uh, it's bloody. It's cruel. And we're not there. We're not there because we went to this uh, uh, war because we, we, there was a conception. Our conception collapsed at Simchat Torah, the 7th of October. Uh, and we, we, we still see a lot of mistakes due to this conception. One the, of the first mistakes you mentioned was that we didn't respond immediately. You would have liked on October yeah, 8th yeah. if the state of Israel would have responded. Was that even realistic? Were we prepared for the, for the, the firepower that we needed for a day like October? It just was a small hint what you could do at the first day. Uh, of course, because if you smash at the first day, all the neighborhood and all the guys around will see, whoa, whoa. Right. And you see what's going on with Hezbollah. Yesterday, Hezbollah uh, showed us, the Israeli audience, how Kibbutz Monaro looked like. 86 houses destroyed in, from 155 uh, houses in the Kibbutz. So Hezbollah hitting us in the north, and they, when they are looking at their, their screen, they see it's possible. We can hit Israel. Israel is no longer the, 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 the crazy and the cruel and the, the hurting guy. He's always... Uh, 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 um, the, the compassionate. Yeah, the compassion. So this is 30 years. Is, it a, is it a myth that Hezbollah is not in this war yet? Is it a myth? Or, or, it's or, a myth. Go to the north and see that Hezbollah is in there. Right. Totally. But why have they not done what... what because you don't want. <laughs> because... You don't want. When, when meaning the, the U.S.? You, no, the Israelis. When the Israelis say we don't want war, they Hamas can, they want, can prevent it. Yeah, want more war than you want. Okay? That's, what, that's why they uh, hurt all your antennas and cameras around the border. They fight you. Uh, we, the Israelis, say we killed them, 130 uh, guys. It's, it's nothing for, for Nasrallah. For, you know, for the first time since 2006, he's shooting. Where, where is the 1701 resolution of uh, uh, the United Nations? But uh, if his arsenal is so big, why isn't he th- tossing more rockets to Israel? Because he sees the, the don't of, of, of Biden uh, for, from, from a, a, a large war. But until then, you see, all, all the time when, when you are confronting a terror organization, he, he, what they operate uh, towards us, not the missiles, not the, 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 the rockets. Going into our houses. Yeah. They, killing on the street they and They operate up first your, your democracy, first. Right. Your uh, uh, ability to go uh, around. Ability to, to love and to love the, the life. And they always operated towards you because they are weak. Because we have an atomic bomb. We have, a, we have abilities uh, that we can, we, can, we can crush all the neighborhood. We don't do it. Why? Because... We are not allowing to ourselves to do it, and they know it, right. so they use it. You so, know, once the, the Jibril Jub, one of the head of the Palestinians, uh, they, they asked him in an interview, what would the Palestinians would do if they had an atomic bomb? He said, if they had, uh, it wasn't at the moment. It's just, it's just, so they asked him, what, what do you mean? He said, at the moment I will have, I will shoot it towards Israel. It's not a such a responsible country like Israel that taking in consider all the... I told, yeah, I told to the soldiers, I'm meeting with the soldiers on a daily basis, if you're going to think about Gaza children's you're going to lose. Right. If you're going to think what they did to our children in the Kibbutzim, we're going to win. 
Right. So you were not surprised, and you're an expert at thinking like an Arab. Yeah. You were not surprised at the barbarism, the terrible things they did, the pogrom-like activities. This no. was like this is like you're saying to people, why on earth would you be shocked? This is the way they think. This is the way exactly. they operate. And the, the type of people they are. But people had said that they were drugged in order to carry this out. Someone like you must think that's a joke. They don't need to no, be drugged. No, they, they drugged in, in, in just to, to not to be weak. Not to, to change their consciousness. Just to have energy. energy. Yeah, energy. energy. No, no. Look, I was surprised that we, that the army didn't wait for them. That we were so sleeping, double meaning, uh, yeah. so sleeping in, in our bases that it, I was shocked. That because, you know, uh, the, the, two days, uh, three days before Shoshana, uh, tens of, uh, ten, in 10 September, they showed to the world uh, 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 operation that gonna, they're going to do it. It was on the screen. I, I transmitted here in our studios. And all our, our army went to sleep because they said, Yichia Sinwar, he's deterred. He, 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 we, we gave him a, a, a workers that will go out to work right. in Israel and it will be fun. We are not living in the, in the, in the same neighborhood, me and the army. Is is Judea and Samaria any different? No. Same thing. Same thing in the goal, yeah. But the Palestinian authority. That means the PA is the same. That means Mahmoud Abbas is the same. It means they're all the same. Take into take into an example. If the Israeli army will withdraw from all the West Bank right. in one day, right? And the settlers will have no uh, um, army army with them. What would the Palestinian will do? Destroy every home they can. Exactly. And every like you saw in the kibbutzim. Exactly. That's it. So, guys, we're in under attack. We're in the war. But the problem is that in a democratic, liberal life, you can't see it's a war. You see it's terror attacks. You see it's here and there. I'm always tell, saying, go to the, to, the, to the schools, go to the mosque, go to the home, go to the education, and then you will find that you don't have any... A uh, 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 difference between West Bank and... And, uh, and anyone Gaza. who thinks that that has changed in the last 20 years, that they're being educated differently, they're fooling themselves. Of course. <laughs> it's I, a joke. I was in the mosques. I was in the places. Israeli are, are, are giving books to the, to the Palestinian in East Jerusalem with the same uh, incitement. So what, what, what's new? Yeah. You were quoted as saying you spoke to Arafat. Yeah. I don't know if it was more than once, but you spoke to Arafat, right? <laughs> yeah. And eight he, times. Eight times? Yeah. And he discussed his patience, his yeah. sabla nus. Yeah, sabr. And you said, Zaloha ish, Because Arafat couldn't care less if he outlives everybody else and if he sees his salvation. All he's worried about is that at some point the Jews will be gone and exactly. they'll be in charge. When I asked him why you did what you did in, in, in September uh, 2000, you know, he, he, we offered you 93%. So a guy, a rational guy that you offer him... Th- 93% was said to you, okay, I, I will take it and then I will fight for the last seven. He said, you have, he said to me in English, you have a problem of numbers. I asked him why, I'm, I know mathematics. He said, no, 93% in your revision, it's close to 100. For me, it's zero. So I said to him, and 100? He said, even the 100, it's zero. So I said, hey, I'm confused. He said, it's not about numbers. It's about justice. They are not recognizing in our justice to have a state. (laughs) One other thing you have to address. You made a point of explaining to the world why today's soldiers in Israel, the young 20... Are more passionate to... to, Why? Because they born after 2000. You know, in 2000, Arafat, he waged a war with Hamas. He he released all the Hamas... uh, 
uh, from prison, all the you know the the terrorists, and they remember they 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 can't remember Oslo and the 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 peace the the peace time peace. The young ones can't. Yeah, they remember uh, buses are exploding, going to the mall and checking. Seder afraid. night at the hotel. Exactly. Seder uh, Malone pa- uh, Hotel Park. The Park, Park Hotel. Th- this uh, I know. I have a nephew there. He's 19. In Gaza. Yeah, in Gaza. He's in Golani. He was hurt last week. Uh, he's okay, you know, uh, in his leg, legs. But he said, it's so natural for me to go to, uh, uh, to the war because I knew it's going to happen. So what's a small soldier? No, even our head of uh, chief of staff don't know. Why? Because they took them into, into education courses to, to tell them that the Palestinians want peace and there is a price that we can share and we can, uh, you know, uh, not, not to, to operate force and bullshit. Guys, you live in the Middle East. Study history, not more. Don't read Zvi Haskeli and don't uh, hear what he's saying. Read the history, that's it. And uh, President Biden lives in a very different neighborhood. He doesn't live in the Middle East. He doesn't live. President Biden said three weeks before Afghanistan going to fall, he said the guys will, will keep it. We, we, through 20 years, we are forcing them with the best weapon. It's not about weapon. It's about how you operate the weapon. So, you know, we, they failed in Afghanistan. You know, uh, an American guy told me a story uh, that, that the first time that uh, General Petraeus went into Mosul at, at, uh, at uh, the occupation of Iraq in 2003, they went into to, uh, the son of Saddam Hussein uh, palace. They went inside, slept in the, 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 the golden bed and right. were so happy. Sitting on the throne. Yeah, and, and one day they oppressed. So they invited three Uh, uh, major uh, persons from, from the community, from the Arab community, the Christian community, to have a dinner with, 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 the, with the new general, with Petraeus. And they sat in a long table. They had a great d- dinner. And no one from the Iraqis was eating. So, uh, so, so they asked him, guys, why are you not eating? It's, it's halal. They said, um, actually, we don't know. We have, any, we have a question. He says, what's the question? He said, they said, who win? Who won the war? Who won the war? So that you joking? We are here. Saddam Hussein uh, a statue fall. We, who won the war? We. So says, they said, if you didn't deport us, rape our children, the daughters and burn our houses, I don't know who win. And then after 20 years he said, who win? <laughs> who win in 1967? Israel in Gaza? No. Right. <laughs> Guys. I don't, I don't say that you will operate like them. We are moral. We are Jew. We have a Torah. But I can tell you, be aware what your step doing in the other side and how they look. And how they Sometimes your power look as a weakness. Is Shema Yisrael in a mosque a sign of strength or not? I said, I said it's, it's for, for the guys from Jenin, they were afraid. They said, wow. It would have been very effective if they of would. Of course. But then Israel goes ahead and criticizes the soldiers. Always. Exactly. How come they don't get it? How come the leaders of Israel don't understand what American they pressure... They don't speak Arabic. They But even the American pressure they cave into every time. Because they, 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 they are American that live here. <laughs> they, not, they don't know Arabic. They don't leave the Arabic culture. Is there anybody in, in Israel? Inside of them, they... They don't like the Arabic culture. Is there anybody in the, in the Knesset that knows Arabic? And knows, knows Arabic? Ahmad Tibi. That <laughs> <laughs> knows Arab culture? Is there anybody among the Jews? I don't know. I don't know. You know, Mizrahanim, Orientalists, uh, they, they few, you know, Mordechai uh, Kedar, Gai Bechor, all the guys that live with an Arab thinking otherwise. 
I don't know. That's what happened to me. And that's why their policies are the way they are. And if you wouldn't have had this experience of being with them in so many different places, Gaza, Europe, yeah. otherwise, you might also think differently. Yeah, of course. But you know exactly how they... I know exactly because Arafat told me, we have a problem of rational. You do an agreement to share. This is your, your rational. Right. My rational in agreement that you are not going to be exist. Right. Said, wow! I have uh, Assad. Assad. We thought that Assad, the son, would be so nice. He studied in London. He's a doctor. A Westerner. Uh, yeah, he, he like internet. He killed one hundred eight hundred thousand people, because we don't know to predict them, because we predict us. It's a different. I don't say that they are lower than us. We are lower than them if we don't know them. And we're going to in Simchat Torah to tell to our soldiers, go to sleep, everything is okay. Victory will mean what? This will be a victorious war. Victory if will mean that Gaza Strip will be without Palestinian any kind of authority. And that means not like it was before 2005, no, much more no, than that. No, no, no. Palestinian should immigrate from their will. Outside, they don't have any place to go. Because at the first day, the Palestinians will go to the mosque in the new Gaza. They will hear about the refugee, 48. And then you will see the missiles. So one day, when we told to the Israeli army in 2005, one day they're going to shoot Ashkelon, Ashkelon and Ashdod. They said, you're crazy. You're the Orientalist, all the sea black. It's going to be Singapore. And then they got to Tel Aviv also. It's going to be Singapore, yeah, Halavai. I told to uh, Abu Mazen told me two days before the, the withdrawal from Gaza. I went, I was with Abu Mazen. He said to me, "Next time I'm going to see you here, it will be Singapore, in Arabic Singapore." And then after one year, they kick his guys off. I said to him in in Ramallah, "What about Singapore?" He said, "Tora Bora." That's what happened with Gaza. Yeah, that's exactly what happened with Gaza. Uh, it's a it, it, it's something that we have so much trouble understanding on the other side of the world in the United States. We think that they are rational. We think they're democratic. They they because we think you that think, they think that the, the world is uh, is one uh, one dimension. Right. You know, right. end of history right. was a book that published in the United States in the beginning of ninety that the world will be great because we don't have any things of conflict. What is religious in the West? What is ethnic? In the West, they can't see reality in the eyes of religious because religious is something. But look what happened to me. I became Baal Tshuva from the thing I saw there. If you don't have any religious, you not exist. If you don't have any belief or faith, you're not in the game uh, uh, at all. So the Western world can't see it. Even today, Biden's minister said Palestinian Authority, they killers, not, not uh, less than Hamas. It's wrong, but you know, the Americans live in their continent. If they will have this problem inside of them, believe me, they were very quick to understand. One last thing. You know what's happening in the United States with anti-Semitism. College campuses, government, yeah. members of Congress, right? Do you have a special message for those in Chutzlaret, or this is an area you don't usually speak about? I will tell. I've been in the United States last week. I gave a lecture in Long Island, and, and, and I had a taxi driver from, from the Rabbi Milubavich uh, Springfield to the, to the neighborhood. And I, he was from Uzbekistan, and he said, I said to him, you're Muslim, yeah. You know Islam, yeah. He, he don't know Islam at the, at the, because he don't know Arabic. Right. And I said to him, "What do you think about Gaza?" He said, "You know, shame the Israeli you're doing such such a thing. Why are you killing all those kids?" I said, "Because you killed for in in Israel one thousand four hundred. He said, "I didn't hear about it." In Arabic, there is a phrase. He said, "Bidak al You want the truth or his brother? His brother is the is the star in the United States. They not telling the truth." 
they're not telling the truth to their audience in the campuses and so on. And I think that, that there's another reason why they are flattering to the Muslims, to the radical Muslims, because they know that they are the rising power in, in Europe especially and the United States. But it's such a mistake, because in the end... They really will be coming now. Out. Europe know that they did mistake. Right. You know, the Spanish said, "Well, we threw, we burned the Jews, we brought Arabs that are laying on on our uh, our salaries and our uh, benefits and so on." We're only in the beginning, but I said it at 2011 in our Allah Islam series in Zahud Buya in uh, false identity. It's a it's a chapter in 2019, 2019. I did in Florida in uh, uh, Tampa, in New Jersey, mosques that telling you the American, they're going to kick off 20, 30 years. That's it. Yeah, and it's easy to believe now. Yeah. I can't thank you enough. Todara balacha. Thank, thank you, you so much. You know, I will just... pleasure. Yes, please. It's very difficult to, to catch it, to, to grasp it, because our life is so different. Right? But Rabbi Nachman say, when you want to fulfill and to implement your dream, the first step you have to do is to wake up. So we wake up. Our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners' sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at AlchemySingle.com and the AlchemySingle Network. And of course, on the beloved NSN app. Wraps up our amazing uh, Tuesday broadcast from Jerusalem. Mayor Fertigan tomorrow. Live lunch with Avrami starts at 11 a.m. Eastern time. Make sure to be tuned in. My thanks to Egal Siegel, of course, and all of our special guests today. Give and give generously. It's the last week of the year at fjbunity.org and keep JMDM and the Nahum Siegel Network going. Again, give and give generously. NahumSiegel.com, or I should say fjbunity.org. fjbunity.org. Give and give generously and keep the Nahum Siegel Network and JMDM going. Have a fabulous Tuesday. Till tomorrow, until next time, I should say, Nachum Segal reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.